Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I am one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. I'm very excited. Let's do this. I know. We got, we, we're got. we not dilly-dallying. We it got is, a lot to talk about. It's August 17th, 2020. Welcome to the show. If you're new here, every single week my wife and I watch a random movie from our massive movie collection that's normally selected by one of 19 different ways at this point, <laughs> uh, either randomly drawn out of a, a box Either nominated. nominated back and forth, part of our Wrap It Up series, related to a holiday or a birthday or something, or related to victory. We've been alluding over the past several weeks uh, in our massive schedule that we have planned, literally until February of next year, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, we have stuff that we've already passed doing and stuff that's on its way upcoming. But I was like, oh, and this is going to be a special week. The reason this is a special week is because what we are doing today, as by the title of the podcast and the photo and whatever else you're, you're seeing and hearing, we are doing the entire Back to the Future film franchise. The, the, uh, the three movies in the original trilogy, plus a special fourth movie, a documentary that was made about Back to the Future called Back in Time, that came out in 2015 that you bought for me for Christmas one year. Hadn't seen before. Why are we doing this? You know, usually we can't nominate a film franchise. We has to come out of the box. But if you've been following us here on the show, but if you're especially following us on Patreon, patreon.com slash arcade audio, you know that we've been engaged in a little battle of the networks, a tabletop game that we have absolutely fallen in love with, and, and we been haven't played. addicted to over the the <gasps> pandemic that we um, sought out to play as every executive that comes in the expansion of the game, and the first person to win seven games would get the opportunity to nominate and watch any film franchise they wanted at all. And this past week's episode was episode eleven, and with seven victories. I have won the Battle of the Networks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you. Uh, that happened like months ago at this point. And we haven't played it since. It's finally, we played it like once or twice. Um, and me being nice, because we already have to watch Leprechaun, uh, because I won something. I was like, what film franchise do I want to do? that I've been dying to watch, that I've been dying to talk about, and I was like, Back to the Future is perfect. Same thing when I beat you at some other contest. I picked a movie that was totally not bad. I think I picked Whiplash, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm being a nice guy, being a good guy when it comes to these things. So I should I deserve some recognition. That's your cue to give me recognition. Oh, I'm sorry, what? 
So uh, get out of here. So spoiler. If you really think I'm ever gonna praise you, especially on a recorded medium, you're out your damn mind. Film. You got your mind. I'm just trying to make you spit that water everywhere. No, nice try. Not even close. Damn it. Uh, so spoiler alert: if you haven't caught up on the networks on Patreon. It's $5 a month. Go over there and not only listen to our bonus episodes, but also listen to all the bonus episodes from the entire Arcade Audio network of shows. We also have some other good bonus stuff coming up. Now that this is aired, I can finally get around to figuring out how to record something totally random that we recorded late one night with RJ Hates Raps Tope. Um, remember the spelling bee we did? Oh my god. <laughs> I gotta figure out what to do with that. Uh, and then, yeah, and we also have some other <laughs> Patreon stuff to do, but the networks is complete. And we are going to be discussing at length today four movies. Yeah, um, it's going to be a lot. Don't worry. Four episodes are going to be dedicated to the Leprechaun film franchise. We're going to squeeze back the feature into probably our longest episode ever. But we're going to try our best. I have a lot of notes. I have a lot to talk about. I know about. we have a lot to talk about. Uh, you have to when you do a movie like this. Although yeah. we did, I'm going to say that we did time this poorly. We really should have done this for October. Oh, I know. Like, there's, there's so many times you could do this, but... Oh, well, you know, it's really time is irrelevant here. Not much, else is, going, not much else is going on. We, uh, we were in Miami uh, last week, the epicenter of coronavirus in Florida. Not Aventura. Um, but managed to have a nice time and came out unscathed. So now we're back and we just hit it hard watching these movies over the past week, basically to do it today so um we have here the uh the 25th anniversary blu-ray uh box set that again i believe was purchased for me for christmas birthday something or other um i feel like every five or ten years another set of this comes out with whatever like i know they're heavily advertising the 4k set now uh so we watched that so samantha's gonna read the back of just that whole uh, selection, the case, yeah. and then uh, back in time is separate. So I'll read the back of that for our reading challenge. Which I'll explain in a moment. Oh, let me take this sticker off so you can read this whole thing. No, I don't, I don't need to read that. Yes, that doesn't do. know. Yes, that's that's part it's of the, the back ultimate of the box. thing. No, I never read you, stuff like that. You never. Oh, good lord! We gotta go back and we gotta go back in time and see. No, because it, it's not. There it's not be... a quote. It's not a quote. It's just a saying about the. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I thought we only did quotes. It depends on what it is sometimes, but... Do you no, want me to read it? No, it's fine. I can, I can guesstimate what it said. No, it's fine. No, I don't want you to guesstimate. Be like, well, I didn't know the word, and then I well, messed I it didn't. up. I didn't. I mean, that's your it's own fault. It's fine. Call. Let's go ahead. Just read whatever you want. <laughs> that's not fair. Now it's now you're going to be like, cool. But you never read that part of the Back to the Future box. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Go ahead. You're such a dick. Is there anything on the front that you missed? There is not. Okay. Right? I mean, unless you want no. me to read all of this. No, you're fine. I'm waiting. I know, I just have the giggle because mm -hmm. I know that you're staring at me. Experience one of the most popular movie series of all time, like never before, with the Back to the Future 25th Anniversary Trilogy. Join Martin... Damn it. <laughs> Join Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox... Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd, and a time-traveling DeLorean for the adventure of a lifetime as they travel to the past, present, and future, setting off a time-shattering chain reaction 
that disrupts the space-time continuum. From filmmakers Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis, and Bob Gale, these timeless films feature all new 25th anniversary restorations for perfect picture and the purest digital sound available, plus hours of exciting bonus features. That's two. It's Zemeckis. 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 <laughs> we literally watched a documentary I know, where they, they say his, his name, name over and over again. 500 times. All right, so my what? turn. My turn for Back in Fuck Time. Fuck that. Back in Time. The documentary film Back in Time is a look at the very real impact the Back to the Future movies have had on our culture. This tightly focused documentary shows that what was once a little idea became something truly amazing which resonated through the culture. Spanning over two years of filming, Back in Time is a cinematic monument to the immensity of the trilogy's fandom. By capturing countless of hours of footage and interviews, the crew watched as the impact of the trilogy became apparent. Steven Spielberg, Robert Zemeckis, Bob Gale, James Tolkien, Claudia Wells, Leah Thompson, Christopher Lloyd, and Michael J. Fox all give must-see interviews about their experiences with the movie. Yes. That's bullshit, though. They what? didn't even put Goldie on there. They didn't put Mayor Goldie Wilson on there, man. No, man. Dawn Full of Love? It's a great name. That, that's the best name. I hope that's a stage name. What, what's your name, Don? I'm just Dawn Full of Love, man. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so I believe that For, puts me back in the lead. Every four 50 to three. episodes, we've been having a reading challenge with the packages. I had an unfortunate mishap with Pacific Rim last week, but I just battled back and caught You didn't up. do shit! I didn't not read the back of the box properly, as you did twice. Uh, gotta give it up for the packaging here. This open it up, and you got all these Blu-ray exclusives, all the hours of bonus features. We did watch a lot of the bonus features. We did. Didn't watch a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff because we, we knew we were gonna watch the documentary yeah. and they wanted to be redundant. Now I kind of wish I had. Just spoiler alert: I, I like the documentary. It was not what I was anticipating the documentary would be. Yeah, and I am. Um, um, we don't typically watch any of the bonus features, like the deleted scenes it de- and stuff. It depends on what it is, but for something this iconic, I'd seen some of them, but there were most of them I had never watched before, and I was really glad that I did because it, I literally had a lot of notes about things in the movie, like whether it be plot holes, continuity, that the deleted scenes actually like, like gave we, context to. They did, and we said in, after like a lot of the cuts that they did, that was a good cut. Like they, the, like it, it the was like editing, 50-50. but the editing on this was really, I think, really well done. Like they took out a lot of erroneous things yeah, that weren't did. necessary throughout all three of the films. So just real quick, so Back to the Future Three had one deleted scene, oh, and it was man. the greatest edit of all time. Yeah. It's uh, Mad Dog Tannen and his crew like going into Hill Valley. I don't know if it's at the very. It must be like when they're going in for the, the for the uh, the shootout with mm-hmm. Marty. And Strickland, Sheriff Strickland, whatever the fuck his name, and his son, like, stop him. And, you know, they have some words, and Strickland, like, gets threatened and turns and, like, uh, leaves on his horse. And Tannen just shoots him in the back and kills him. The name of the deleted scene was Tannen Kills Strickland. Strickland. I was like, good lord, good edit. Uh, And then Back to the Future. Back to the Future 1 has, I think, like, the best deleted scenes. That there's a couple that were really funny. Um, that actually added a lot, and I thought would have been like pretty humorous, but all mm-hmm. in all, like were unnecessary. Two is kind of a mixed bag because two has a couple that are like, huh? But then there's a couple like uh, specifically. There's two that I think are great. The first one is 
when uh, the guy that's talking to Marty about the clock tower thing, mm-hmm. that's the mechanic from later on in the movie that fixes Biff's car. And that's how old Biff decides which day to go back in time to. Because it's always just chucked up like, oh, what a coincidence. He went back to the day that we went back in time, you know, that kind of stuff. No, he picked the day that he remembered old ass Biff arguing with that guy about what happened to his car. Mm-hmm. So that's the day he went to there. Now, what do you remember the exact date? That's not a hint or there. The other thing is when Biff comes back from going back to the past, which is, it's so hard to keep this in track, uh, you know, he, I don't know if it's a combination of his old age and, like, going through time, or, like, he stumbles out of the car because that's how the cane breaks, but he dies. <laughs> he dies. Yeah. And he disappears. And it's like, well, what the hell? Well, what happened was he changed history so that in that timeline he is not alive anymore. And there's a whole background which I can get into later because there's stuff I want to talk about, about, like, the lineage of Back to the Future, but those are what the deleted scenes are, and, like I said, for the most part, they're pretty interesting. Uh, but the movies themselves. I mean, what is there to say? There's going to be a lot to say, but... There's, there's going to be a lot to say. I mean... I think it's the... It's hard to say the greatest movie trilogy because there's been a lot of them. Yeah. I think... It's, it's one of the top tier. Yeah. Top tier movie trilogies. Arguably the best time travel movie. Absolutely. Even... And, and we did, we did um, Star Trek series earlier this year which had a lot to do with time travel and stuff like that. Um, which I think on that show, like, it, it was pretty straightforward in terms of explaining it, especially with how complex time mm-hmm. travel can be. It's, it doesn't even hold a candle no. to, to how Back to the Future did it and handled it. And it's it, flawless in that regard. This is I my think. favorite, like, ideology of time traveling. Yeah. And pretty much since this, every movie almost, like each movie kind of plays with it. It's flat out brought up in uh, in Avengers. And they have the argument like, oh, it's not like Back to the Future because they go into alternate realities and alternate timelines and sure. stuff. It's fine. But like this to me is like perfect in terms of you go back in time, whatever you do, it's going to mess up what you did. That's just, it's easier. It's simpler. It. I think it's more ripe for opportunities and comedy. Right. And it's just it's just flawless. Right. And and the and the part where um Doc is explaining like you can't go forward from this point because this point is a different reality yeah. than where than what where you're from, what you're thinking. So you have to go back to where it it it, it veered it, it's off skewed. and then go forward. So I, I think, and I think for it the most handled part, it really well, and and any layman could understand a lot of what what was going on. And I think I think it works so well because it is straight fantasy. Because whatever little bit you ever hear, like read or hear from Einstein or Neil deGrasse Tyson, whatever, like what time is like with like vortexes and black holes, whatever, like it's not how it is. Like you go through. I'm not a science fucking person at all, as you can tell by what I'm probably about to say. Is yeah, totally wrong. and I watch a lot but, of sci-fi shows, so go on, hit but, me with it. But what I mean is, I think for the most part, it's been proven that time is relative. So, well, like, you, you, obviously, you come out, you go through time one is end of a, a man-made construct. You would go through one end of a black hole. Like I've never seen Interstellar before. I've seen and read about Interstellar. It treats it more realistically in that you go through a black hole, and it could be five minutes for you, but you actually come out, and it's 20, 20 years later. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that, that's common. T- treating, yeah, 
but that's not interesting. It's well, interesting. that's a completely different type of time travel. Right, that's what I'm saying. This I appreciate more than that. That's a completely different type of time travel. And you're a dumbass. <laughs> Those are my two points of, of, of that statement. Let's get into the first one. I can't believe that this first movie is 35 years old. It's 35 years old. It came out in 1975, right? 1985, 85, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it came out in the year that it's right? held in, yeah. Here, so... So, first thing, right out of the gate, all three of these movies, in, like, the scope of the movie, take place over, like, a two-week time frame, right? So, the yeah. first movie, he goes back, he stays in a 1955 week. for a week. And then it's a couple, it's, like, a couple days here, a couple days there. Well, I think it's just, like, one, it's really just one day up front. Like, it's one the morning. The so, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, not even 24 hours, because he meets Doc at mm-hmm. the mall around, like, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's, like, a week. He gets back the next morning. Doc grabs him, and they go back that day. He doesn't go to sleep until the third movie. <laughs> That's literally like a day is the is the second movie because it's like they go back in the morning, and they. No, I think it's it much out. longer than that. I don't think so. So, bitch, asleep on that chair for a long ass time. Elizabeth Shue can sleep. So it's the morning when he wakes up and Doc grabs him. They go, they travel to Hill Valley, and it's the morning as well, but really no time has passed. That whole situation takes place over like a half hour, an hour. Sure, I don't, the whole day, they end up at night when Jennifer comes home and old Marty comes home Yeah, and but, but we don't know if... And then they go back in time. It's nighttime in Bith World. Then they go back there. I, all right, so let's say it's two days, most, really. It's two days, because they're on a time crunch. Why? We'll get to that later, because I don't know why. (laughs) The whole second movie falls apart if you're like, we have a time machine, why do I have to go now? (laughs) Like, like, what what does it matter? (laughs) It honestly doesn't matter. There is something that could resolve it in the third one, but again, you have a time machine. So, like, Doc comes back, it's like, it's it's your kids, something's going to be done about your kids. And later on that day is when the Rolls Royce accident happens. Mm-hmm. But again, you have a time machine. So, hey, Doc, look, we'll just go back and fix it, man. Right, but but you also have to remember, whenever they go back and they change something, it creates an alternate timeline. I know, I know. So it, it that's the whole point. I want to get a little more of the minutia that a little bit later on. Okay. Um, and then for the third one, so it picks right up. The third one's another week because mm-hmm. he goes back to, 19, he's, goes, he's in 1955. He finds old Doc. I think it takes a day or two for them to figure all that out. Then they have like five days there. So yeah, the movie, the whole trilogy over, is over the course of two, three weeks, which is great because as soon as Back to the Future 2 starts, you're like, holy shit, Michael J. Fox is like a 30 year old man now. So playing like an 18 year old. It's it was a, only a couple of years. It's, it's still a stark. No, the first one's 85, the second one didn't come out until 89. So it's four yeah, years. Yeah, it's four years. You can tell the difference. Well, immediately. I mean, I Meanwhile, can tell. Meanwhile, Christopher, years, I tell the difference. Christopher Lloyd has been 49 his entire life. I know. Um, so the first one. You around. you keep jumping around like you're in a fucking time machine. Well, because I, I keep thinking of things. I'm not I know, just, consulting my notes. Well, soundtrack, buddy. So the first one, it gets mentioned in the documentary, and it's one of like my first notes. Is this the closest thing to a perfect movie? Yes. I honestly think it's the best screenplay. It, it's it's ever. amazing, and I think that there's a reason why it has become so iconic. 
yeah, we've talked a lot about like cult classics on this show because we've watched a lot that that have become cult classic and, and immortalized and things like that. But Back to the Future's had such an impact in a lot of different mediums. You know, they've made television shows, they made so much merchandise. Now it's in graphic rides, novels, yeah. rides. But all the other things that lean on Back to the Future or mention Back to the Future. Um, the one that obviously pops off in my head first is uh, Ready Player One, mm-hmm. um, which Ernest Klein, the author, is is writing Re- Ready Player Two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming out, I think, this month, actually. Uh, and le- if it's already out, I'm not sure. I haven't. Um, I stopped following it. But um, a large part of that is Back to the Future. Has a yeah. large part of that movie and that book um, because of the impact that this franchise has had on people and the documentary goes into it a lot the documentary so does a good job yeah. it does a good job of that we're and, gonna probably spend very little time on the documentary i'm gonna reference it a lot i'm gonna reference it and we'll probably get things, the end we'll give some scores yeah and, but a lot of things that were said in it really resonated with me a lot there um, should have been more of that is what i'm gonna say because yes. the movie takes a turn about halfway through and just gets really deep into fandom and but that but that's part of it like this movie like the cultural impact of this movie is the fandom. I mean, that's a lot of how these movies become like sure. this, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? Agreed. That fandom, like none other. Okay, this one too. Like, like so much of it is because like this. That one guy spent like five hundred twenty thousand for a fucking car. I mean, people are that's crazy. We'll get, to, we'll get to the fandom, but later something on. that Dan Harmon said. Oh God. Um, where is it? I know I wrote it because I was like that was really like it really meant something um when he's talking about how it's like the perfect movie but he's like he talked a lot about the issue like there's no arc of the main character in the first movie like marty doesn't have an arc he doesn't have a goal like his his biggest thing is like oh his parents want to be cool and he has Mm -hmm. no character flaw Mm -hmm. in the first movie and i thought that that was so interesting because when you take writing classes screenwriting classes book writing classes whatever it is you're taught about you know the fatal flaw of your character and how characters have to seem human and relatable and i thought that the fact that gail and zemeckis were able to do i said it right there um were able to to create this character that so many people love and relate to mm-hmm. with that caveat of like, there's no fatal flaw in the first one. That's why yeah, he's the coolest guy the ever. Coolest he's just dude. the coolest dude. He's so and cool. And it's effortless. He's a bad musician. He's not great. <laughs> that's the only thing well, he doesn't get better him at. singing. Well, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the greatest uh. musical performance of all time. I'm talking about him with the pinheads. Well, where he's, I mean, come on. If I mean, you were playing with a band called the Pinheads, you'd be that that. I mean, they're not great. They, they shouldn't have gotten in. That, that's not a well, controversial opinion. Yeah, they shouldn't have well, gotten in. Yeah, that was... Don't make Huey Lewis out to be a villain. They weren't good. <laughs> so, so um, I just thought that that was really interesting. He's also not a great boyfriend, either. <laughs> Within, like, 15 seconds of him walking down the street with Jennifer, he's looking at yoga, yoga pants, like, walking by him and stuff, and she has to get his attention. Like, he does grow up. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. first movie. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought that that was a normal thing that, that guys did. That's not that's not normal for guys to do. You were saying Dan Harmon? No, no, that's all that I made my point. Thank you. No, but I just I, I just love the introduction of him and, and yeah, I, I do so yes, your initial question. Um I do think that this is the perfect screenplay and it had 
stellar performances, stellar ensemble. I mean, I'm just going to like yeah. blow my load right everything, here because I'm going to geek out about this. Everything means this movie. something else. Every it's line, amazing. every line has another connotation to it. There's nothing that's left open. It, it yeah. ties everything up into a perfect it's just, Even the, the opening credits, like, oh, something, something, I, something I don't like about the second and third movie, and I, I, I'm almost a respect about the second and third movies, and even go there. Like, the second movie, it's just titles and clouds. The third one, it's just titles and I think also, like, clouds or the rain or fucking something. Something like that. But the first one with first that one, panning just, shot just panning through, through Doc's, Doc's house, and you get... Everything. You, you, you get you everything get such, that you need. Such a great idea of who this character is. Then Marty comes in with his skateboard, nothing. with his going to this amp. Like you just get such a great feel for these characters. Like it's and awesome. There's things so I'm gonna be mentioning a few things throughout the movie that I like for this first one that I'm not a big fan of, but I totally get and it doesn't dampen like the whole Mike Marty coming in and plugging his guitar in and like blowing it out, like I never was a big fan of that. Like, sure, but I think also because another big thing with a lot of this mm-hmm. is this is so ingrained in my childhood that when you're a kid um, and it's on TV constantly, or I don't think I even had this on VHS when you just catch it all the time. I think I've probably seen that guitar scene maybe like ten times my whole life. Like honestly, I've probably seen Back to the Future like a hundred times. Mm-hmm. But like I just never catch like the full movie. Or I don't mm-hmm. catch the beginning of it. I saw Back to the Future two maybe twice or three times as much as the first movie, which also impacts my score sure, and my sure. my relationship to it. But like I totally get it. It's a character thing. You have to show he's the coolest guy and he just wants like those to make kicks, noise. Those baby blues, what a babe. Like like you just get everything in that first scene yeah. and, and You don't get why the fuck Marty and Doc are friends. You never you do. You never find out. But Who gives a fuck? I think in the documentary they said it so well. They said it so well. It just like works. in nineteen eighty five, people just accepted it. Nobody questioned no. this friendship. Or how it came to be and, and why he's hanging out. Crux. But nowadays, if you had made that movie now, yeah. it would be like a scandal. Exactly. And they'd, that's sad. There'd be a bunch of riff on like, oh, what happened? Like, the jerk off in front of you or yeah, something? Yeah, like, like, it, you know, it, it'd be really bad. And but. The crux of the whole three movies and the reason why, again, jumping ahead a little bit. On <laughs> yeah, this, we can't help but we're kicking out On this go so around, we're just going back on timelines and stuff. Uh, Follow I've never been a huge fan of the third movie. It just... It's, to me, definitely the weakest of the three, but I had a whole new appreciation of it watching it back to back to back with the other two, and Mm -hmm. I significantly liked it more than previous viewings this time. I cried. But the third one drives home. The movie's just about their friendship. It's just about their connection with one another and, like, what they'll do. And they don't get, like, overly weepy and sentimental about it. They don't, but, but when Doc Brown reads that letter and he, and Christopher Lloyd, like, delivers that line, he's like... Oh, Marty, I never knew I could write something so meaningful. Like, like the emotion that he had in his voice, like that, like, sold it for me. Yeah, like, they like just... I, it was just beautifully done. Such yeah. a wonderful, such a wonderful arc. And I think that's a part, I think that's part of the reason why it works so well is that any franchise you'd have to go through the whole romantic storyline and the third one does do a little bit of that but it feels earned because it's Doc and you've seen how much right. Doc and also those two played off each other so well um, and made it feel really legitimate and emotional but the rest of it like he doesn't get muddled down with 
you know, well, they won't. They just knock Jennifer out, put her on a porch, and they're, fuck it, we're done with it, you know? They end up together. Fine, cool, whatever. Uh, and I, that's that's what makes it so... It's the MacGuffin of the movie. Jennifer's the MacGuffin of the movie. I'll give that to you. Um, <laughs> so I already referenced, like, little things I don't like about the first one. Are there, is there anything that you have, little things um, about the first one you don't like? Because I have, I have a couple that, again, don't overly hurt my experience of the movie. It's just, they gotta be pointed out. Um, I'm sh- I Not anything particularly right now. I see a lot of what my notes are just gushing about. Yeah. I Every a- scene, like, oh, like this cock-blocking principal bitch, like... Strickland. Strickland. Just like that. Um, but then I'm like, oh, my God, the music. So oh I have... God. Yeah. I, I have, so let me just rattle off a couple nitpicks. Not nitpicks, but just things. David McFly. So the current day McFly house is a little much... Like, they put it on a little too heavy between Uncle Joey, which is a great running gag. It's a great gag. It's a good... It's, again, like... It's funny, but, like, what about this family says that their Uncle Joey would be in prison for God knows what? How sad Lorraine is. Like, it's, again, it's a little much. Just, like, how... But, that, but that's true to life. I, I know it's true to life, but I, it, I feel like it's down at, like, 15. When it maybe should be, like, at a nine and a half. Like, it should okay. be... It should be there. Everything Crispin Glover, which he's part... Like, talk about perfect. Like, you can't not have Crispin Glover as that character. Well, you can. You can, and then you can get sued for it, and you can change the movie business forever, uh, like the second movie does, because like you know that's a thing, right? Like, yeah, you can't use their yeah, like, image or their like. I don't remember in, in Pacific Rim Uprising, did they show a picture of Idris Elba? Yes. So he gets paid for that. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't, you know. You can't use their likeness without paying them. Exactly. Yeah. So Crispin Glover changed the game. He was still an asshole because he thought he deserved as much money as Michael J. Fox would. Yeah. No. Fuck you, man. Um. So that's one. Uh, the Libyans hasn't aged well. <laughs> now, Christopher Lloyd yelling, The Libyans has aged well, because that's just so bad it's great. Okay, yeah. But, um, so that that's another but, one. But I, but those things aren't, like, killer for me. No, they're not. No, have, no, I'm saying they're not killers. These you aren't have killers. To, you have to, like, in regards to the Libyans, like, you have to have... 1985 goggles on. 1985 goggles on. And you have to have something like that happen. That is the actual MacGuffin (laughs) of the movie, actually. You have to have that driving force. But, you know, I never noticed that the news report, when it turns on, Mm -hmm. in the... When it's panning yeah. in the opening, talks about yeah, of course about the Libyans. Oh yeah, I didn't real. I never realized that. I didn't pay attention to it because I didn't think it was important. I wrote something later on during uh, back in time the documentary that made me realize like there's a couple minor things like that. Uh, one of the lines that a couple of the lines related to African Americans in the first one that just are because it's 1955 and right. it's all bad people that are really saying it. Um, yeah. It's really the only kind of, like, scandalous things that hasn't aged well in this. There's a couple, th- and also, like, it's pretty spotless in terms of, like, nobody in these movies, like, was an awful, like, serial predator or murdered anybody. Thank God. The Crispin Glover thing with, like, paying him, it's and then not, a stunt woman was seriously injured in the second one, and that was, it was a little bit of a thing, but, like, besides that... Pretty spotless. That's what makes God. it so enjoyable to watch. And Thank it holds God. Up. You don't have to worry about enjoying something and yeah. then being like, oh, like, no. like, you're not going to watch this movie and all of a sudden, like, one of Biff's dude's 
hanging out with him is Kevin Spacey. It's like, Billy yeah. Zane didn't kill anybody, thankfully, so far. So we're good yeah. there. Um... Da, 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 with a couple of the other ones that I had here. Uh, the hand CGI. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that. But again, I get it, though. It's 1985, It's man. the What'd times. You want? Exactly. What'd you want? Um, oh, this one's not great, but like, uh, Marty McFly going back in time and stealing rock and roll from the black man doesn't help. But even in that, indefensible, but even in that, such a, a minor, like you'd think, like when this movie's made, like they're not, like, thinking that that's going to be something that's quoted and referenced all the time. That right. Marvin Berry scene. Like, you can't predict that. You can't predict it. It just shows how impactful this is, is that a throwaway gag has been referenced dozens of times in things. And it's a go-to move in karaoke if you're wondering Johnny Be Good. Uh, but Yeah. That's that again. Those those are all that I have. Now let's just get back to gushing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, well, you started talking about like the music, like Johnny Be Good, Earth mm-hmm. Angel, Back in Time, Power of Love. I mean, just, just the score, just, just the score in this movie, just got, the first movie. If you got is, John Williams up on the top of the mountain, Alan yeah. Silvestri is, is like still right climbing there. that mountain, but he's right behind him. Right there. The Back to the Future score is the score is great, and then perfect. the actual music is just and then yeah, what incredible. it's it's so 80s, it's so iconic. All the things that make up movie, the direction in the movie, the use of space and the camera work. So you have so much going on in the foreground that makes up so much of what's happening in the movie, especially when he first came in 1955. Mm-hmm. The set design. Beautiful. The costumes. The shots. The, just Crispin Glover sitting there, and you just see Michael J. Fox coming, like, to the, from when you're watching it, to the left of him, like, realizing it's his dad, like... And then they both turn around at the same time. Like, like just all the beats got hit so well, and the editing we already, I already talked about. Like, yeah. the editing is so well done on this and is continued in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very difficult. I think in the documentary, back in time, they also mm-hmm. talked about it, how in the second one, they went back to the scenes in the first mm-hmm. movie. And with the editing that they did, mm-hmm. it was like integrated so flawlessly it was i'm like gonna start crying talking about it the second one gets the the second one has earned i feel like in the 90s and the early 2000s the third one was on a higher pedestal than the second one yeah i think that that's true And over time the second one has gone gone above the third one because there's an appreciation for like the balls that had to be like, we're doing a sequel to Back to the Future. What are you doing? Uh, half the movie, you're just going back to the first one. Yeah. What? Yeah. And just like, and it fucking works. It I works love it so, so much. well. And the way that they were able to edit some of these things, and, and you don't even realize that, like, that second Marty was never there. Like, watching yeah. the first one, you know, like, it's just mm-hmm. so well done. And, like, that art and, like, the ability to do that and, like, the forethought that they must have, like, or the hindsight that they had, just yeah. whatever it was, like, it's just so beautiful. It's, it, it, like, I have a really big appreciation for movies, obviously, because mm-hmm. I do a movie podcast. I hope so. Um, even though I know sometimes they don't come across as my, that. My fucking joke. What? Nothing, go on. Huh? Okay. Ah. 
Um, but I really do have such a big appreciation for that. And so um, I, I, it was just so, so the editing across the board the whole time um, and the directing the whole time yeah. and, the, and the writing most of the time was great. A I mean, it Biff, really is. a goat movie villain, just incredible. And just so from the very good. first scene when he's just a sleaze ball, and then he's like again the range these people have to have. Christopher oh Lloyd, my God. Christopher Lloyd is the only person who can play himself in the span of thirty years flawlessly. Like, because like, there's other people that do it and they don't do it flawlessly. I know, but but <laughs> I must say that this cast, the talent of this oh, yeah. cast, is amazing. It's the same people who play, who play, you know. Young Biff. A hundred years worth of themselves. Huh? A hundred years worth of themselves. Yeah, basically. It's just incredible. And then, like, Michael J. Fox plays several different characters. And, (laughs) but it's just incredible how well they do it. You keep the same, obviously, personality because it's the same person. Mm -hmm. We talked about, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, actually, so I won't mention it. What? Just when we talked about, um, we haven't done Men in Black on the show yet, but we talked about no. Men in Black 3. Mm-hmm. Um, we, off yeah, yeah, yeah. air, we talked yeah. about it. But, like, you know, whenever you have somebody who's playing someone else, they usually are doing, like, an impersonation of them, and it's mm-hmm. not always as as good as that person doing it themselves. And I think that this, like, I just... 1955 Biff, 1985 Biff, 1985 A Biff. Like, I mean, it's just all so great. And for, like, a movie villain to be, like, well, that guy's really good. Yeah. Like, in terms of well, the Well, because in one moment he can be comedic like, relief, and then the next moment he can be like, just, like, rapist menacing. Asshole. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a so skill. it's just in the bloodline, then, mm-hmm. from this movie, mm-hmm. right, from the from the series. Like, it's in their bloodline, then, that, that the Tannins are just rapist just assholes. people. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I just wanted to make sure that that was clear. Uh... It's kind of sick. He tests this on Einstein. <laughs> you can't get some. You can't. You can't get red fifty bucks to get in a time machine. He tests this on your loving dog. I just always found that was funny. But that's so iconic. Like, just you're gonna see some serious shit. The fucking fire through the legs. It's no, no. The only scene that is in all three movies is the clock the, the, tower. The clock tower, which is the greatest action scene and sci-fi scene ever. It's amazing. Like it is. To this day, it's the greatest climax and action scene of all time because you have such drama, you have such suspense. Every time you watch, you're like, maybe He's it's like maybe it's falling. the one, maybe it's the one time it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just gives you that like suspension of, di- yeah. of disbelief. Um, um, so that's incredible. Um, uh, the Johnny B. Good scene, incredible. Uh, Got to Johnny- get back to the future. Fuck it, I'm gonna be a star. I always we've talked about. It, we always thought it was Michael J. Fox doing that, which is absurd. Absurd. Uh, <laughs> Absurd, but it's great. The fight scene, though, um, where... Uh, uh, the whole parked car scene, you the mean? The parked car scene? The whole scene? parked car scene is perfection. It, it's, it's, it's amazing, and it's, like, Michael J. Fox and... and Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson just have such great chemistry in the best way, because it's, like, that awkward chemistry. And in the worst way, of course. Right, like, the best, worst way... Worst, best way, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, it's, like, just so awkward, and, like, their reactions are perfect. And well, yeah, like, his his uh, reactions, everything, and then her reaction to the kiss, and then George getting into it. and then I, Yes, and when George, the hand, 
closes up. Another great thing is about the sequels is they also don't waste time or they don't waste their opportunity to give you context. So you're pretty much presumed in the first one that like he has to probably have accidentally gotten some liquid courage to finally stand up to Biff. And the second one, it's shown that Biff's buddies spiked the punch bowl and you see George in the first one drinking out of it. So George is drunk. (laughs) It's the only reason why that happened. Yeah. Uh, at all. Um, so I love that. Uh, like we talked about their chemistry, Doc's reaction to all the feature things. I mean, it's been memed so many times. Oh my Ronald God. Reagan, the actor and just his incredulousness. Wait, and, yeah. And, and I just think it's so great though. Side note that Ronald Reagan loved that bit yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, and, if this were to be uh, made today, Donald Trump would call this a very awful, horrible movie, uh, and would probably make fun of Michael J. Fox's ailments. So that's where we've been in 30 years. 35 years, I should say. Fantastic. I'm going to cry for a completely different reason now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just think about that. Oh, my God. That's so sad. Right? I know. Oh, my God. I'm not wrong. You're not wrong, and I think that's why I'm getting Tope so Tope had a Facebook it. thing that just recently came up on, like, his memories. That it was, like, from, like, June of 2016. This is, like, can't wait for the reboot of Back to the Future. Who's president? Donald Trump? The reality TV star? And he was, like... Fox this didn't age well because <laughs> that's what happened oh my uh, god that's really so sad another thing like that's great that it wasn't made today beyond that is like there's so many things that like a today psyche wouldn't be able to contain themselves on like you know when Marty wakes up in those Calvin Kleins when he sees his mom like he's gonna have a boner oh yeah and it's like like no like don't go there right like this movie has the restraint and has it the has, subtlety and has right. Michael J. Fox just trusting him to be him that's was, all you need it was so well done like like i don't think that there's anyone else who could play that i mean well there wasn't well, there <laughs> that's wasn't. the whole point there wasn't right there in wasn't. the documentary they had initially cast someone else who yeah, it's did been, a piss poor job it's one of the biggest movie stories ever is they hired eric stoltz who's a good actor eric fine. stoltz is good he's great he's good in Pulp fiction he's good as mask put put him in 500 pounds of stung by bee makeup and he's great He's good. He's not Marty McFly. Right. They show the stilts, and I love, and God damn you to hell, Bob Gale, that they've never, they'll show you, like, little clips here and there of, like, screen tests and, like, shots never used, never one thing of audio. Like, every, we talk about every five years, I come up with another set of this, and he's like, oh, the footage exists. We'll release it one day. What are you waiting for? Just show us how bad he was. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're waiting for Stoltz to die, so that way Maybe. Stoltz doesn't Maybe. get it, but... I'm just gonna write. Michael J. Fox is the epitome of the MVP in this movie. He he is because he, he's the MB- because it, this movie is not what it is if you don't have him in that character exactly. as proven by the fact as that they proven. had to fire somebody and it cost them millions right. of dollars and behind six weeks right. to do it and then it becomes one of the biggest movies of all time. Right. This made. I mean. I mean. And Michael J. Fox at this time was he hit was on Family Ties. Like it's not like he wasn't a well-known actor. Oh, he's one of the, he's one of the biggest. He's one of the biggest stars this, in Hollywood. This. This made him like the pushed biggest star. him yeah. over the edge. And and to give him the MVP in this. I mean, we talked about it. How well the rest of this cast did, sure. especially Leah Thompson, especially um, what's his name who plays Biff? Thomas Wilson. Thomas Wilson. Chris McGlover, they're all, they're like, all fantastic. Like, they all do so well, especially because they're playing the, those dual roles. Christopher Lloyd is amazing in this and the chemistry that they have. Mm-hmm. Like, when we talk, when we have our mullet awards at the end of the year, 
like one of the awards is ensemble. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the best ensemble, like this is what we're talking about. Like I couldn't picture anyone else in no. any of these. There's roles. no other Marty McFly. There's, There's no nobody that reacts do Lorraine so hilariously yeah. and so perfectly in everything. And it's as, it's as yeah it. Yeah, it goes without saying. Yeah, I, I, I just think it, it's so well done, but he definitely is the MVP um, of, the, of the movie because yeah. for all um, the reasons that you said. A couple other things before we get into LVP. Um, you mentioned earlier something you never noticed, the uh, the news story at the beginning. I also, on this viewing, yes. the first time I'd noticed that Red was the mayor in Hill Valley 1955, the homeless guy. And I, I never made the connection. And I was like, yeah. what the hell happened to him that he's homeless now? Yeah. Now, so by the way, cool. you mentioned it about set design, but 1955 Hill Valley is gorgeous. Gorgeous. And is incredible I would love how there. they put that together. I would love to um, live there. A lot of, we've talked about a lot of the famous lines and stuff, but there's even like smaller lines that kill me. 1.21 Well, that one's still iconic, but just another one of these damn kids ran into the car. Like, how many kids has this guy hit with a car? <laughs> Lorraine's dad has killed so many people. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, Better get used to these bars, kid. But yeah, back to the Eric Stoltz thing. So there's an urban legend that there is a shot of him that is still in the movie. Um, when Biff gets punched at lunch. Or, mm-hmm. or no, he gets punched. When, when does Michael J. Fox punch it? No, he punches him in the diner the second go around. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is uh, so apparently Eric Stoltz doing the punch, and that, that made it into the movie. Um, so just something funny there. Another kind of side note, you referenced earlier uh, graphic novels. There was a Back to the Future comic book that was uh, assisted by Bob Gale for a couple years recently. It ended, I think, last year that I read most of. I hadn't read all of it. Did a lot of side sheets. It did a whole, like... Why haven't you given it to me? It's, it's in the boxes somewhere. I'll give it to you. Um, but it, it does a lot of, like filling in some holes and, like, also going on, like, some other tangents. So there's a whole, like, uh, five-issue, like, side series that just goes into Biff's life after he got the almanac and what he does and, like, how he kills George and all this stuff. There's also, like, interesting, like, side stories about, like, after Marty goes back from 1955 originally, like, a month later, Elaine and uh, George are, like, arguing so, like, Elaine goes to Doc to be like, I need to talk to Calvin. He needs to fix this. And Doc's like, oh, what? Like, it's just, like, funny, like, little things like that that give it some some gravitas. And I thought about that when the, literally the only scene in the film trilogy that Christopher Lloyd and Leah Thompson share, they don't even really speak to one another, which right. is crazy. I thought that was a neat little thing. Um, the present reveal is so awesome. Like, so... I have two big philosophical questions oh God. about Back to the Future that I want to get your take on. The first one's about the present. It's awesome, right? Like, you come back, and you totally change your life for the better. You're, sure. you're, you're, your parents love each other. You have more money. You have a car. I don't know why you got a brand new truck, but all the rest of your family's sharing this one car, and your dad's a famous writer, but don't worry about it. Uh, but, like, how do you cope with the rest of your life? Because now you have your entire life worth of memories that you don't know. Like, you know, like, how does that work? Like, is that, I mean, sure, it's a great thing. You got a fucking nice truck, and you got your family's happier with one another. Um, there, there are a lot of little holes there. Well, it's not necessarily holes. I mean, that's what happens when well, you... I was more so talking about the fact that Marty gets a car and the others don't, and then it's his first book, but they have all this fucking money. What the fuck's he been doing? 
this George George McFly's on the take. That's what he's <laughs> that's what he's doing. Um, but anyway, yeah. So like, how do you deal with that? Um, that's a good question. I guess you would, you know. And it's in 1985, so like now it'd be like, oh, I'm just gonna go like through my phone and see my sure. pictures and stuff. But um, in 1985, you know, you just ask, or you Again, just don't talk hi, about it. Uh, Dad, mom, real quick. Uh, so all this is great because of me going back in time, which is gonna lead to my second question here in a moment. Well, but uh, I, I mean, you have photo what, what albums. Was, what was like my fifth birthday life? <laughs> yeah, but you it's have photo still... albums. You've yearbooks. I'm sure people will talk about stuff. I mean, you just you deal. I know, it's just crazy. And it's something that, that, you know, I wish they got into or went a little bit further into. You don't only have so much time. And it's really not a question that's going to be fun for the audience. Um, the other thing, and this has been a debate that came up online lately. Mm-hmm. I forget who commented. It might have been Bob Gale or Robert Zemeckis. But one of the biggest bugaboos of people about this movie forever has been how the fuck did George and Elaine not recognize that their son was basically the person they met 30 years ago Because in high not school. everybody has a photographic memory like you do, Chris. But, and, and it's been debated. And, and it was Most for, people uh, have said the same and thing. And how long did you say he was there? A, a week? week? Exactly. That's what most people have said. They go back to, like, the serial... Uh, Bro, I don't remember what my best friend in third grade looked like. I can't... I mean, what? I know. And for, I, for the most part, like, I seriously thought about it and was like, okay. And I, I closed my eyes and tried to picture people. And I can see some. Yeah. But, but like, you think of, like, the gravity of that. And you think of the coincidence that, like, oh, Marty. I like that name. And then it is hard to get your mind over. This was my kind of mindset behind it is that... You think about it, and I think they do kind of lay some breadcrumbs throughout the movie for it, in that uh, in the bad 1985 McFly dinner scene, they tell the story about the dance, and it's this sad story of how they really got together. He got hit by a car when he was actually peeping on her, and she didn't know that the whole time. And she felt pity for him, and they went to the dance together, and they just kind of settled on one another, right? And all the kids say... Oh, we've heard the story so many times, you know, yada, yada. Well, in this new, that, that's, they, they tell because that's all that they had. That's literally the only memory and anything they have to hold on to. So now they're going to have a whole lifetime of things right. more to talk about than that. So that makes it easier for them to not recognize this sure. person. That, that was right. my right. thought behind well, it. And there, sometimes you meet people in your life who have a really big impact on you. But it's fleeting, right? Sometimes it's fleeting. Like, obviously, we're going to remember, like, each other. People who we ran into, like, and we're with in our adult lives for Mm -hmm. an extended period of time. But, you know, sometimes, like, when I worked at the FYE, when Mm -hmm. I was in high school, we had this girl who came and worked with us for three months. Mm -hmm. And her and I clicked instantly. We had all the same interests, we had all the same music taste, we would do, like, fun dances when we had to, like, work late. Yeah. Um, and if you showed me a picture for today, I couldn't tell you. I, cu- I couldn't tell you who it was. Mm. Like, I, I couldn't pick her out. But she had such an impact on me, and, like, she was a little older, and, like, just, like, her confidence and the way that she, like, approached things changed how I wanted to approach things when I went into college. It was, like... An important part of my life when I was transitioning from high school to college right. and, and um, finding out who I was and everything like that. But she made a really big impact on me. But I, I, could, I, couldn't pick, I couldn't tell you. I mean, it was 
For three months we worked together when memory. I was 17, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's what, how long since I've been 17? 27, 17 years. Half my life. 27 years. 17 years ago, almost, mm -hmm. for three months, you know? Sure. And, and I remember the impact she had, but I, I don't necessarily remember many other physical details. She had dark, curly hair, and her name was Laura. And that's all sure. I remember. So you remember what fucking toothpick looked like when you were four. Oh, yeah, I had a like, um, big Colgate family. Yeah. Uh, I just had to bring those two up. Uh, so who's your LVP for Back to the Future? The first one. I have a weak list. And I have, I have a weak list for most of the movies. I have, some, I have some, some hot takes on two and three. So I'll tell you who I, my preconceived LVP was for the first one. It was going to be Claudia Wells as Jennifer. Just because I'm assuming... And I think, the again, another urban legend that is not true is that she got replaced because Elizabeth Shue was a bigger name and a better actress. No, she... Her she, mom had cancer. Yeah, she had, like, a family obligation, and she just like, I can't do it. Yeah. And so it's cool that she's still so into it, and I think she's actually gone on to, like, play Jennifer and like, some uh, some voice acting Yeah, voice and acting ones things. and stuff, yeah. But, no, she's, like, I actually prefer her more than Elizabeth Shue. I do like her I more. I think Elizabeth Shue overacts the fuck out of the second one and is on my LVP list for well, the second one. that's not fair, though. All she does is sleep on that, on that porch. No, but, like, the first scene with her in the car. And, yeah, and, like, the way she acts. Like, we'll, we'll get into it. So I don't have it as Claudia Wells. I put, it might be a shoe bias. No, it's the opposite. I thought she was actually pretty good. So the two that I have, and again, this is for this is how good this movie is. The two that I have for the first one, Lorraine's mom did not you like... Jane Lynch? No, it was not Jane Lynch. It could have been Jane Lynch. No, she was just too, too much. And I've said that a couple times, but, like, she was trying to be a little overtly 1955, but then also she had some pretty thick lines and... They were dripping with how overt they were. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone else kind of dealt with their lines and knew that it was part of the script. I, it's in, like, her delivery. They're the ones that, uh, that ginger Ricky Kloppenstein looking I kid, was going to say Ricky Klopp. Uh, who, he does, like, two parts in the movie where he's just kicking George or he's laughing hysterically by breaking up George's dance. And he's just obnoxious, and I don't like him. Uh... <laughs> I, I also had I also had uh, uh, Milton Baines on my list. Milton. Jason Hervey. <laughs> Fucking Jason Hervey. He's fine. I hate that line. What do you mean? It's a rerun. What's a rerun? It's a rerun. What do you mean you seen before? It's brand new. I douchebag. I don't like Jason Hervey, but he's not my bad kid actor. Uh, so that's that's who my vote would be for Back to the Future One. Again, it's pretty minor but do you have a say either way i nah whichever one is is gloomy um can i even find this no i don't this think fucking so. kid all right well, i don't even know what the kid's name is i know i don't think he had a name uh biff's friends had names yeah match 3d and skinhead oh my god 1985 dark. uh i'm gonna yeah Francis Lee McCain as Stella Baines is who I'm going to make the... Uh, I like the dad. I like Sam Baines. Just, you know, <laughs> who the hell is John F. Kennedy? So we'll make it her just because just something about her just didn't rub me the right way. So Francis Lee McCain, LVP for Back to the Future 1. 
Another minor nitpick, my last little note that I have here. Uh, I, something throughout the series and watching them close together that I did struggle with at times was this ever-changing ideology about the positives and negatives of time travel, particularly with Doc. Like, in the first one, he literally says, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go and see who wins the next 20 World Series. And in the next movie, nope, can't do that, and it's the whole crux of the movie. Like, it's a line that he has in the first one. He just wanted it for knowledge's sake. Yeah. You know, like that, it happens a lot, especially as we get into like the third one, that it starts to wear a little bit and it gets a little inconsistent. Okay. Um, and then, of course, the greatest tease for a sequel ever, which they didn't even mean it to be a tease for a sequel just because they didn't know they were going to make a sequel. It was just, Rude. it was just kind of like a serial, like, mindset of, um, you know, like, they go on another adventure, and that's... Sure, sure. You know, it's it's like, up to your imagination. Right, and right, it's like, right, and open-ended. Oh this, oh, this made a lot of money, so when this tape comes out, you're going to put Tubi Continued on it, <laughs> which is just dope. Yeah, and I love that that Michael J. Fox didn't even know until he saw the tape, and he saw it said to be continued. He's like, uh, I better be in that. <laughs> yeah. Like, Don't replace me. Please. With Eric Stoltz. Right? <laughs> we figured it out. <laughs> it's just the car. Uh, all right, cool. So score for Back to the Future 1. I mean, it's a 10. It's a 10, yeah. It, it's a 10. So it's our second 10 of the year uh, after Whiplash, so it'll be going on our uh, not-hung-up shadow box. The shadow box broke. We have plenty of Back to the Future pins. I have too many Back to the Future pins over there. No such thing. Um, but, I mean, like, it's just, yeah. It's, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. It really Without is. And, and I'm glad it's being studied in film schools yeah. as the perfect script. It's, I mean, it's just, it's great. I can watch it. A million times and never it's, get tired it's of it. The most rewatchable movie. And the maybe fact that it ever. was thirty-five years ago is insane. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the second one. I mean, this movie's not even later. as old as Augie. Fuck. Fuck, that's the best fact of all time. Augie was like two years old. Augie's first movie was Back to the Future, probably. Oh man. Oh my god. That's great. This movie aged way better than Augie did. Hey, ouch. No, Augie, you're doing great wow. things, baby. He's not listening to this. You I don't know. know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Uh, don't right. tell him, so the second anyone. One. So the second one. I love the second one. Look, so I... There are crater-sized holes you can drive through the second one. Okay, Kind sometimes. I don't give a fuck because everything cool about the second one is so cool and so makes up for it that I just turned a blind eye to it. This is one of the rare movies that, like, I'm going to mention a lot of the stuff that I, you know, take my film hat off for and, like, my my close eye. Oh, so it's okay for you to do it but not for me to do it? It is. It's, I, I don't get these very often. But I don't care because fucking 2015... And hoverboards. And we don't have. Fucking. Uh, flying cars. We don't have. It's all. Fucking shoes that tie themselves. We only have because of this movie. Clothes that you push a button and they fit you. We don't have. There are what some the automatic fuck? shoes that I remember a few years ago. They had like a Michael J. Fox uh, raffle or something. Yeah, it's the and Nike in, made these yeah, shoes. Yeah, there's like 10 of them in existence. But we only, they only made them because of this movie. I know. No one even As think, a tribute. I know. But I'm saying like people think about, so this is my problem with Future Moon. Now you're going to get me on a whole different kind of geekdom here. Mm-hmm. Any movie that shows the future, and they, I think that I liked when they talked about this in the documentary too. 
Any movie that shows the future, it's so hard to do it when it's something like 30 years from now. Yeah. Because 30 years from now, you can achieve in a lifetime, right? If it's like 300 years from now, sure. cool. You can't really yeah, do no that. no pressure. Like, no pressure, right? Yeah. That's, it's fine. That's why like Star Trek, a lot of people give it a lot of leeway because it happens in like 2250, yeah. right? We don't have any of this shit. It's five years from when this movie is supposed to take place. We're just now getting these hoverboards because of this Japanese train. And they have to be magnetized. To be fair, they got a lot right. I mean, they, they got... They got fucking video conferencing. They got... They did. Faxes. They got drones. They got Miami having a baseball team. They got holographic 3D movies. They got the Cubs winning They got the, the Cubs World winning Series. the World Series almost to the year. They missed it by a year. Um, they got so Super much smart right. houses. We were all supposed to be half bionic, have no fashion sense. I mean, an Jaws air fryer, 19. an air fryer and a hydrator. What's the big difference? <laughs> I mean, you're right. Phone glasses. They fucking have phone killed glasses. it. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm saying, I'm not saying there's something that didn't happen. My, my whole note in this little section is, uh, I, I poo pooed the fact that this story was on the front page of the USA Today. <laughs> It's like, come on, just a, a youth getting jailed is not the front page story of the USA Today. Then I noticed later on it was the Hill Valley edition, so like it had like its own specialized like yeah. area newspaper. Yeah, yeah. So I forgave that. I almost bought that newspaper at a mm-hmm. comic book store, and it's like fifty dollars. Yeah. Like, no. uh, but then I my whole note was I want a Pepsi Perfect, and I want a Gray Sport Almanac, and I want those shoes, and I want that jacket, and I want that hat. I could have bought that hat again at Universal. Yeah. But I'm never gonna wear that hat. Right. I wear some dumb stuff. I'm not gonna wear that hat. Represent. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, there's so much in this movie. It, it's just like an iconic look. Um, something that. Where is it? That. Um, I lost what I was gonna just. Something that this movie in particular does. You know, we talked a lot overall about how this movie makes time travel so easy, but just this second one in particular. Mm hmm makes time travel seem so seamless and easy. And this is where Doc draws on that chalkboard and the scene of Mm -hmm. him drawing on that chalkboard and how he explains it. So many other franchises make it so difficult and use so... like they Terminator, sorry. Overly difficult and overly, like condensed or too much information and it's and or too many rules and it's just like look you can do like you can go back in time or go forward in time but you're in this timeline like you like that's what's so important and and i think even though avengers did talk about how this isn't back to the future i think that they handled it as close to this when they um, lost the when they lost the tesseract, um, and they had to go back to the mm-hmm. original because they couldn't go anywhere else or go forward mm-hmm. to to get it because of how the timeline skews. So I thought that they handled it in this same vein, which, which I think is really good, and it's important for movies like this because I think we talked about it before in some other movies that we maybe didn't like as much. Um, if you don't understand a major concept of the movie, like time travel, like if they don't explain it well or you don't get it, it dampens your enjoyment of it so much. Yeah. And I think that that's why 
my perfect example for that is why maybe I didn't like The Shining as much as I like Dr. Sleep. Because hmm. in Dr. Sleep, that concept, the way that they explained it in Dr. Sleep, mm-hmm. I got it. It made sense to me, and I enjoyed it so much. In The Shining, they didn't really... Yeah, it's, the unknown is it was scarier. It unknown, yeah. and, it, and it wasn't about the shine necessarily the same way it was in in Dr. Sleep. So that's like the only way I can really like explain it the best. Sure. That way. No, it makes sense. So. Um, there's so much that I could just like gush over on this because as I said, I've seen this so much more than the yeah. first one for whatever reason. I don't know what it was about me as a kid like catching sequels more than I caught original movies. That's the same thing about many movies on this podcast history so far. Um, that it's it's so hard to be super critical. I can be critical, but it, like unbiased because like I'm reading I'm reading what I wrote. So as an example, I already brought up earlier. Like, why did this have to be done now? Why? Rushes back like the very next morning. You dropped him off. Something's got to be done about your kids, Marty. Okay. He also knows, and we find out in the third one, I believe, or is it later on in the second one? I don't remember. He also knows about Marty's accident as well. Does fuck all to change that. But you don't think that maybe he went back to that particular morning? On on purpose? purpose? That's what I kind of, like, maybe thought and rectified out. But again, it's a time machine. Why can't... Oh, oh, you're busy? Okay, I'll be back in a week. Like, (laughs) it's... You know, like... Because if he hadn't gone back there, Marty wouldn't have learned a lesson in the past. I guess. Or in the future to have not raced needles and gotten into that sure. accident. It, it all is a butterfly effect. Don't you dare. Don't you dare bring up the butterfly effect in this. Don't, but it is. You're Ashley Kutcher no, shit out of my house. But that's a scientific thing. It, that's what it's called. It's a butterfly effect. You change on a movie one podcast, thing, it changes a lot. It's an Ashton Kutcher movie, so be careful. Do we own the Ashton Kutcher no. movie? I'm putting no. it on my list no. for Christmas. No. But my, my, but immediately what I say after that is, fuck it, I don't care. Everything future is my favorite. Like, this movie creates dilemmas in my mind, and then something else distracts me. I'm like, ooh, cool, hoverboard. <laughs> like, I don't care, ultimately. Like, yeah, the like, chicken stuff. It's essential. It's silly as all hell. Yeah, but but that's it. You have to now have this character have a flaw. No, I guess. And and my question of actually my question I wrote this in here is like, why is being called a chicken such a hot button for him? Where did this come from? And obviously, after watching the documentary, it came from them needing to further develop this character, give him another layer to keep the series going on. And, and 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 say why some things happened, you know? So why that car accident happened? Because he was called a chicken, you know? Yeah. In the third one. Why this happened? Because he was called a chicken, you know? So so it... And he just grow and develop and... Right, yeah. exactly. So, so you have to have that. I mean, one is the exception to the rule. You don't have a fatal flaw in your character. You don't have, like, an arc, self-fulfilling arc for your character. Like, that's the exception to the rule. Like, you can't make multi-layered well-diverse characters without that aspect because that's what people relate to they don't you know that's part of the reason why you know in superheroes like people want there to 
they don't want them to be perfect, right? Like, mm-hmm. it isn't like, like, when Superman dies, like, a huge thing in, like, the the comics and stuff like yeah. that. Like, like that re- realism, like, that, that humanity is what people relate to. Obviously, yes, you have to have these, this, like, coolest kid in town kind of thing to, to live up to, but I, I think that it makes the character much re- more relatable, even though I didn't know where it came from until after the fact. Yeah. I get that. Um, oh, man. But what? I just love the look of everything. Yeah, th- this this movie is groundbreaking in terms of how it previews and lays the groundwork for the third movie because they were shot together. So even just from, like, the cowboy arcade and showing Lo- the, yep. like, referencing I, I've always wanted to go to the Old West and watching the good, the bad, and the ugly and all of it just is, is so great. awesome. Multiple characters in the same shot somehow looks better in this one than it does in the third movie. Like, significantly better. Like the two Biff scene. I think it's because of the the lighting. And, it must and be in like the old west. That's yeah, a fair. Yeah, it's think... a fair guess because everything else in the old west is being shot by like candles. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like, I more think natural. it might be. But, like the two Biff scene is awesome. The it's scene great. with the two docks is awesome and really sweet as well. Uh, and he's the, the the scene with all the Michael J. Foxes the dinner table. Like again, I have I've I'm just going to say it. I don't like Michael J. Fox in this movie. <laughs> He's not my LVP. He was the first one I wrote down. In this movie, I think 80% of his line delivery, it was just like the first take, and they're like, we're good, Mike. Just keep going. He's bad as old Marty. He's even worse as his daughter. Oh, God. Marlene. It oh. took me a very long time to realize that was him. Not in this viewing. Like, like probably like the 30th time I watched him. I'm like, man, that's a really ugly woman. Not, I mean, it's not a good-looking woman as I am, but that's not a human thing. But uh, but I was like, oh, damn, that's Michael J. Fox. He's annoying as his kid. They're just, they're tonally off from what I like by Marty McFly yes, and, like, what I expect to be. But to be fair, yes. they're very distinct They're distinct. As well. They are. So I think, I think Michael J. Fox does a really good job of playing four characters and differentiating them. They are different. With his mannerisms, with his voice. Yes. But they are all over the top to me. Same thing with Chris Floyd. I think they're both... Oh, I think they're dialed up too much. Like, he says Great Scott and overreacts, like, 50 times in this movie. 45 more times than he does in the first one. And it hurts its overall effect when it's happening, like, so much. Like, from when they get to the future to when Jennifer gets picked up by the cops, he's all over the place. Yeah. And it just... It kind of hurts because you're not sure what you're supposed to invest your care and your energy to everything so heightened. Um, so that, I guess that's a fair point. So that's the point, but but still, that future scene was crazy. Just I, all the Michael J. Fox and stuff. Lorraine still tops, still the best. Marty, Marty, and then uh, oh, not Crispin Glover Marty. hung upside down. Yeah. Uh, so much from the re- like the movie starts and they redo the the ending of the movie and they do that with every with both sequels. And just, like, immediately, I'm just, I was just typing like crazy. I was like, okay, there's Crispin Glover getting millions of dollars because they reused this fucking shot. There's Michael J. Fox, significantly older than he was previously. Now you got Elizabeth Shue here. It just wastes no goddamn time because you just, we got to get into it. Jennifer's all over the place, and they didn't know they were going to do a sequel, and they didn't want her alone because this is a movie about two friends having adventures. So they got to knock her out with probably something to use really inappropriately in the future. Um, and then she's out of the picture for script trouble. Uh, 
And yeah, you're just you just go. The, the the second one is just at an incredible it's a break pace. Break break neck. Pace. It slows down once you go back to 1955, and and that's what I like. That's as much as I love the future. This viewing of it made me appreciate them going back in 1955 so much more because then it kind of slows down and gets a little grounded, and then it's the just like the drama of will they get back? Will they get Marty back in the first one? It's how's he going to get the book? How is he not going to interfere? So him crawling past the car that he is in is and him navigating through Johnny B. Good to take out Biff's cronies and And then the car chase at the end. It's all just, it all comes together so well. And, and I, and I think that, that those feelings of 1955 is much slower pace. And then 2015 is like this high intensity. Mm -hmm. I think that, that also speaks for, speaks for, um, I, I think how, how we are, I feel like, like now in 2020, 2015, mm-hmm. we're much more go, 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 much more than 1955 used to be, you know, when you hear stories of people who were in 1955, and like that was like their adulthood, they're like, you know, it, it was a much different time, you, you did have the time to, to be calm and, and not feel like you had to one-up yourself so yeah. much. And I feel like now all we do is one-up ourselves. Sure. And, and, and it's a completely different kind of feel. Um, another thing I never noticed. So each movie had something I never noticed or picked up on before. This one, I don't think I said to you. Uh, the matchbook thing. In the... Uh, is it at the end of the first one? No, it's the beginning of the second one when mm-hmm. Biff runs outside. It's like, Marty, why don't you take a look at these new matchbooks I got for my, my business, my LGTA business. And then he sees the DeLorean take off. Uh, Marty takes the matchbook from Biff's Pleasure Palace and it turns back into the auto detailing thing at the end of the movie. I never noticed that yeah. before. Never made the connection on why that was so goddamn important, like the matchbooks. And then I just Amazing. noticed it this first time around, which was, which was great. Uh, a couple big philosophical questions for you again. Oh my god! Not philosophical, but um, what are the fucking rules of walkie talkies? <laughs> Do they have like dozens of mile radiuses? Why? They are way too far far apart for those walkie talkies. Well, it depends to work. on the size of your battery. And you, did you see the size of the batteries that they had? I think those were also nineteen fifty five walkie talkies. Well, then what, what do you want from me? They had a big ass like cylinder. As the battery of it. So they both, so both Doc Brown and Marty McFly have cancer from the size of batteries sure. they probably had in their walkie-talkies. Um, it's the closest thing they had to a cell phone. My biggest problem with the second movie, and it's always been a problem, and I was hoping that the deleted scene I referenced earlier would have an answer to it, but it doesn't. It explains that Biff just disappears. How the fuck does old Biff know what to do in the time machine? How does he have any idea... How to change... So Biff steals the time machine, right? And goes back to that day and brings it right back. How does he know to change the dates? How does he know he needs to get up to 88 miles an hour? How does he know any of it? So... He probably listened. (laughs) They didn't go into that. So if they didn't go into it... So one of the things is... um, Like you could just do like where you last were. Which, Which would put them back... So that would take them to 1985 where he where he saw the time machine for the first time. Hmm. He has no yeah, way of... where he went? Right, oh, no. no. Yeah, he's, he comes outside to show Marty the, the matchbooks, and he sees a flying DeLorean? What the hell's going on here? And then 
it said 30 years later, a, a Delore, a flying Delorean. I haven't seen that. And, and then he makes the connection like, hey, hold on, wait a second. So he knows like there's some kind of time atmosphere. When he sees the two, the two McFlies. I don't know, man. Doc but, probably had an instruction manual or something like that. <laughs> no, he did that poor design. I know, but I mean, it's not hard on that dash. It just says, you know, enter time. Like Sure. You know, I'm sure it's not hard to figure then, out. Biff is, is a lot smarter than we give him credit for in terms of in terms of the fact that he knew to get that damn MacGuffin almanac, get in that time machine and go back. Well, because he heard that he did hear them talking about is using the the almanac for financial gain. He got that part of it. Uh huh. But knowing the time machine needs to get to eighty eight miles an hour to he take you somewhere. Just drove it. It's always bothered me. Uh, also, another underrated. Uh, Get a safe. <laughs> no, you don't have a safe. Get a safe. Uh, my MVP for the second movie, we can get in this now, is Thomas Wilson. Oh, yeah. He's 100%. He, he does such a good job. putting playing in so much work. He is playing five different characters. Griff. He's Griff. He's Biff. 1985 loser Biff. He's 1985 Donald Trump Biff. He's old Griff. And he's his original self, 1955. And he is... Immaculate. He as does such all a great them. job. He's so repulsive as the villain. You hate him, but he does such a good job performing. He's got such great lines. And it's my favorite thing is make like a tree and get out of here. And he's like, leave, you sleep, idiot. Sleep, make like a tree and leave. Like like you sound like an like a moron. You know, you make us say he says you make yeah, you us. You make us sound like a moron. Like so, so, you know, I feel like he's gone through a lot, and he's a lot smarter than you give him credit for, I think. Biff's well, seen some stuff in his life. Biff, so one of the things I was going to reference, so the deleted scene where he disappears, right? So I don't remember if it's in, I don't think it's in the comics, but I think it's referenced in either some Back to the Future, like, novels or something. The reason why is in the timeline he set up, Lorraine shoots and kills him in 1996. Yeah, because that's what <laughs> happens to domestic abusers. Of course. Like, but like for real though, I'm so glad that we have come this far, although we have a lot of work to do, where, you know, women who, men, whoever is going through domestic abuse, like that's what happens. Like that scene is really hard scene to watch. Um, yeah. But it's so he was right. accurate. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's so accurate in terms of what abused individuals go through when they financially depend on someone else. Um, that that fear that comes with it. Um, that that is like that's on the ball, and I'm so glad. Like you wouldn't think a movie that was made in 1989 mm-hmm. would cover that and do it so well. That, yeah, I'm not surprised. In that timeline, she's stronger. She she knows better. She shoots and kills him. Cool. Great. There's um. There's a, a lot that I've said about Michael J. Fox in the second movie, but his whole stretch in Biff world is perfect. It's That's crazy. ultimately what, like, for me, saves him as being the not LVP of the movie, yeah. is that he sells it so appropriately. He's like, what the hell is going on? Am I wrong to think that Biff's world isn't that bad? Like, just like legalized yes. gambling, yes. no school, big ass, like, uh, museum hotel thing. I mean, sure, gobbling up all the poor, the poor African American homes. 
and turning the, the city into a shithole is not great. But um, Biff World is just like the right amount of crazy. I love that whole stretch. Um, it kills me every time. It's just great. Uh, just uh, So, I was anticipating us talking about it, hurting it, and it just actually helped my overall thought and score. Because I haven't talked about... Sorry, I talked about the negatives of, like, the McFly home when I, I don't necessarily like Michael J. Fox, but the scene with him and Needles and just the details of, like, it's cool in the future to wear two fucking ties and you can have faxes come out of the wall and you can slide your credit card in your briefcase and you get facts about the person you're talking to. Like, all of it just makes up this cool, awesome world that you just want to see that's, more of. That's something that they do really well is that character development, that world development. Yes, World in, development, especially. In such yes. a short time, without having to go into so much exposition. So mm-hmm. we talked about it, that first panning shot in the mm-hmm. Back to the Future, the, the first one, gives you so much. Yeah. that Stuff like that, too. Like, these scenes give you so much. The rehydrating pizza, all, you know, like, like, all these things give you so much information about this world, and it's it just adds to that enjoyment gives you those levels it's so great i i love that uh nixon still being president is just the go-to thing to show that things have gone to shit well yeah like watchmen back to the future it's just you know nixon's still president you're fucked well it would be very different if who's made now yeah uh oh god oh god it's gonna be awful um yeah, just the balls this movie has, despite the flaws I've talked about, is just infectious. It's just great. Um, it's the last time Western Union ever gave good service. Uh, they held on to a letter for 80 years waiting to deliver it. Oh, no, 70. 70 years. 1885, yeah, 70 years. 70 years. Uh, but and that, just... that scene is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. The rain. The rain. Pouring down. This guy gets out. You think he's about to get shot. Because you don't nope. know, because anything's on the table. Right, you don't, you don't know, know how things have changed. You don't know what's, what's happening. happening. And that Western Union scene is just killer. And then you go right back to the end, and then, like, the cliff, it's a great cliffhanger. I hate the trailer at the end of the movie. It's a bugaboo of mine I've always had. It gives away way too much. Um, I know, I don't know why they just don't take it off. I know. Of, like, the movie now, because that other movie, because I get you'd show it in theaters, and it's, I think the last time it's been done was Avengers. Because I remember at the end of Captain America, they showed a little trailer to Avengers that was coming out the next summer. So it was already like in the bag. And I get that for the people that are in the theater, get you excited for the next one. But for me now, 30 years later, no, I'm good. I get it. The third I've one's coming it. up. Yeah, I've seen it. I'm good. I don't need it. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so we made Thomas Wilson the MVP. Uh, not LVP, Michael J. Fox. We've excused mm-hmm. him. It's not Christopher Lloyd. It's not Leah Thompson. So I have two. They're just so. I, I just, again, I can't talk enough about how great. They all do. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Elizabeth Shue, and I think she's becoming a fair candidate. All she does is sleep, and she, she has that one scene. No, she is so, she has... Bitch was still sleeping after the third movie, bro. You can't tell... Look, I could sleep, all she, right? I once got the flu, and I slept for 22 hours. It's true. Okay? With, like, it was nothing. But I don't need the flu to sleep for 22 hours. I can sleep for 22 hours right now. I don't know why I didn't do that the last two weeks. But, um, man, all this bitch did was sleep on this porch. Well, she has the scene in the car, and I get it. She should be over the top to the point where Doc's got to knock her out. Uh, (laughs) That sounds horrible after your nice domestic violence thing. I meant with his little uh, rape goggles. (laughs) Uh, 
but better, then, better. Yeah, yeah. Better. <laughs> then her reaction to like being in the house, I just it just re- it rubs me wrong. If it's not her, it's the I think he took his wallet guy. <laughs> it's that guy. Who I love that guy. It's that so, guy. I though. love that guy. That I guy. I think he took great. his wallet. He has four lines in the movie. And I think he took your wallet. It's all, it's one line in the movie. The, he says it. He four has times. four lines, and it's the same line four times. Is uh, hey, did he take that guy's wallet? I think he took that guy's wallet. I think he took your wallet. Um. That guy is the caterpillar from Adventures in Wonderland. For all you early '90s Disney kids out there, uh, character actor. Can we make it Elizabeth Shue and spare that guy? Oh, Come man. on, <laughs> should have been LVP. Because uh, who uh, would would you have anybody else? By the way, I'm shocked that Billy Zane was absolved of all this as well. He has a couple moments in this movie that are really funny. How did he change his damn clothes so fast? <laughs> and, then, and then he gets... <laughs> the, but I point. just picture him in a, in a tuxedo saying it because that's what I know him from. Well, but there's also a just moment... Just in his tuxedo on Titanic. There's a moment when, like, so when Marty has attacked Biff in Bad 1985 and he's, like, getting ready to leave on the elevator. cowboy hat? He's got a cowboy hat on. He's going to uh, leave in the elevator and he has to run and they're chasing him around a corner. They come around a corner and Billy Zane's got a cowboy hat on. He's overweight and he's shuffling in <laughs> shoes. He's trying to get a gun out of his jacket. He's like... He's making the most over-exaggerated, like, motion to get his gun out of his jacket. And what it's is, so... What just happened right No there? one sees, but, but I basically... Did you just have a seizure? I jerked off my spleen is what I did. Uh, it's so <laughs> over the top and funny. It's like, fuck. Oh, man. You can't... But uh, no, but comparatively, like, yes, Billy Zane as match was no good, but... Soundbox McGee, he was no, not better in the diner. All of 2015 Griff uh, flunkies, you have the Joe, Joe Coy looking motherfucker. Unless you got power! <laughs> and then you got the chicken man, and then you got Scrote Nails. Her actual name, I think, is called Scrote Nails. There's a lot of like bit players that are just, everybody is dialed up. To the nth degree. I know, but sometimes it works really well. No, but those like those are fine because they're so outlandish. But like, just not listen to shoe. <laughs> Do that power one again. Unless you go power. <laughs> I got a mad dog. Now this is gonna devolve into me just quoting this movie. And just uh. God, oh, the, she got a mad dog. The news. The hoverboard? Oh, no, it's called a, no, it's called a pit bull. Sorry. No. I got a pit bull now. Yeah, it's yeah. called a pit bull. Oh, yeah. Um. Man. Okay, it's Elizabeth Shue. Is Elizabeth Shue? Okay. And I really like Elizabeth Shue, especially, I, I'm sure we'll get there. In, in yeah, she's great on The Boys. Academy Award nom- of winning. Did she win? Or is she nominated? I think just nominated. Um, yeah, icon of the 80s. But in this, she's, just, she's not my Jennifer. Hashtag it. <laughs> Uh, I could talk about the second movie. Like, there's, I feel like we have not even scratched the surface, but we do have two movies to still discuss, and we're at an hour and 25 minutes. Uh, we said we were going to geek out on this. Um, where do needles come from? Who is needles? That's Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, I'm aware. <laughs> I, did, like I, school, I didn't say Flea. He's just a school friend. Okay. Basically all it all is. Right. He's, he's some punk kid. Because you see in the third one when he shows up, and he's got like 1985 jacket on, his souped up truck and stuff. I don't know how well he's done in his life that he's influencing Marty to do bad things uh, for their unfortunately over-the-top Asian boss. He calls him chicken. 
Well, but he knows that's a trigger word because that's he's the one that was in the race 30 years prior. Yeah. Um, ooh la la! <laughs> I also love that whole thing. But Strickland just, Strickland just planned on going to his office just cranking it with some coffee, man, you know? <laughs> Just, no, some alcohol. He poured some rum. I know, in that yeah, coffee. but yeah, rum and rum and coffee and fucking nineteen fifty five porn. Okay, slacker, more like jacker. God damn it! How long have you been waiting to say that? About twenty How seconds. How long have you been waiting to say that joke? <laughs> twenty seconds. You're such a damn liar. Not that bad. You're such a liar. Uh, I, I look. It, it's just it's great. It's got a lot of callbacks. Got a lot of things that it foreshadows in the next one, which. You know, you can appreciate having seen the next one, or yeah. once you see it, then you get it. It's it's great. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it it's a it's a fun movie. It's got a lot of humor. It's got the action. It's got a lot of stuff. It's you stop somebody on the street and ask them about Back to the Future. I think you got a 50-50 split on if you ask people what's your favorite part of Back to the Future, they're gonna give you things that are from the second one and not even notice it or realize it. I think a lot of what people remember about Back to the Future actually come from the second one. More than they, they think and let on. Okay. Just just my opinion. Um, well, let's test that theory. All right, fine. <laughs> let me go on the street corner at 10.30 at night and ask people about Back to the Future. Uh, let's score it. Uh, I, just, I mean, I kind of we both scored at the same time last time. What is your score for Back to the Future Part 2? I didn't like it as much as the first one. I don't think it's as good as the first one. Okay. I don't. I, I still think it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. But... In, it's not the perfect movie like I think the first one is. It's not a perfect movie. It's, it's not. not. And, it's and so, not. So I can't give it a 10. I know. I can't. Um, but ah. I, I still think it's really good. I enjoy watching it. I, I like watching, laughing at some of the things. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they do such a great job, like I said, with the acting and stuff. It's just still so blown away, the fact that this was in 1989 or so long ago. And they do such a good job. Better job than some movies do now when, when they're doing multiple roles and stuff. I'm going to give it a, a nine. I have debated this heavily. It's so difficult because I have such a hard on and such passion for this movie. But you said it. It's not a perfect movie, so I ultimately can't do it. But I'm going to go so close. I'm going to give it a nine and a half. I, I just I can't do it. I mean, and in had Back to the Future not been this perfect movie, this may have been probably, higher, or or, or might or have been impacted even worse. Right, like, but it it, it, it can it's go both ways. Big shoes to fill. This does a good job of nearly filling them. Yes, yes. because of the talent of this cast. Absolutely, and and I'm just gonna put that out there. I think that this is the best ensemble, this the best cast I've I've. Of principal cast members, it's, I think. I mean, just goes to show. I mean, time. Elizabeth Shue is not really principal, but right, she's, not she's really the closest principal. we got to like an LVP sure, for that one. Sure. You can't really name right. it. And then the second one, or in this third one coming up, I have an, a principal cast member as a possible LVP candidate, but this from a lack of choices. Right. Um, right. Which, right. Exactly. Which and, we'll get and to. You um, know, I I think we'll talk a lot about ensembles, especially as we get to more of these like. Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, stuff like that. But I think that... This but that's is unfair, a- because that's like 30 people. Like, in this, you got a core five. Yeah. Right? Like, the five that are in every single movie. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah. You know. I mean, this is incredible. Yeah. It's part three. So, referenced earlier. I was never the biggest fan of three. I don't know if it was just... 
like the Western thing, or well, because of how like, much I, mean, I you, liked the second one maybe, and wanted but you more like of that. Westerns. I've I've come to appreciate them more, uh, as they've been a little bit more modernized, like the Coen Brothers style of you know No Country for Old Men and True Grit. Uh, you know, in the kind of being like a more modern setting, but like the old west, it's just not my thing. You, you didn't like the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> not particularly. I think it's overrated, but I, I can appreciate it a little bit. So it always, and I think for a lot of people as well, like it gets made up fun of in that Keen Peel sketch. Like I go put some cowboys and Back to the Future three. Um, oh my god, that's my favorite Key and Peele sketch. It's it's the vegetable gremlin sketch for those of you who don't know what we're talking about. Sketch. It's not the vegetable gremlin sketch. Uh, you call it that. I call it that because that's all it, it needs to be. Um, but if you want a good belly laugh, go and watch it. It's great. It has a lot of merits, and it is much better than I remember let on. It's it's. I think why people some people do like it more than the second one is it's closer to the first one and that it's more of a straight up and down story of like they're in a time period they have to get back to where they're going and that's that you know whereas the second one you got a lot going on and you're juggling yeah you know but they still did it so well oh yeah they still did it so well but i think it's i think it's difficult for people to just wrap their heads around and also you do see a lot of what you already saw and i think people just didn't like that. Sure. Whereas this, everything's pretty fresh and new. You start with uh, the end of the second movie to give you frame of reference, and then they again they pretty quickly get into it. You know, of Doc being shocked. Marty sleeps finally. Uh, you know, and they have the letter and they figure out. I always I another thing I didn't really ever understand until just now is like I had no idea how the fuck they got back or like how he sent him in time because like okay so there's no lightning. So, and just Doc Brown from 70 years prior just sent you back some schematics on the car and how to figure it out. And then I remember the Mr. Fusion. Mr. Fusion solves all of it. Mr. Fusion powers it now. And you don't need the gigawatts to do that. Um, Which is funny because then when you get to 1885, the whole problem is you don't got fuel. Right, and you always (laughs) need gas. So they they found, you know, he managed to poo-poo around like oh the time circuits are fine and the power is fine but it still runs on ordinary gasoline which is just hilarious to think about it's just a great concept yeah um for sure but this one as i as i referenced before this go around what really helped the third one for me was the focus on doc particularly but also doc and marty's friendship yes this third one is all about that, right from the jump, like you said, them reading the letter and him getting emotional about it. Oh my god, it. that was beautiful. And him saying goodbye to 55 Doc again, him finding Doc back then, them having conversations about, you know, like, should they or shouldn't they, you know, like, should Doc tell Clara, Doc in relationships, how they're going to treat going back in time. Even, like, their, their little rapport, they spent, you see them spend more time together than you have in the other two movies. And that's, ultimately what you want to see is these two guys like have their friendship and have their experience yeah um so that stuff stood out to me and made my viewing of it better that said it still lacks a certain oomph to me i don't know why i can never wrap my head around certain things like the walk in the hill valley in 1885 it doesn't come anywhere close to the other ones 
which you think it should because it's him like developing it. Like you see the half built clock tower and it just doesn't get me. Um, I hate with capital letters Seamus and Maggie McFly. Really? I hate it. Hate it. Totally takes me out of the movie every time. Every time. I just I I don't like it. It's, but you have to remember it feels some, forced. But you have to remember something. Not everyone who came here was an was American. That's not my problem with it, what? Samantha. My problem with it is that it's a bad accent and it's a bad it's another bad like Michael J. Fox turned a different character and then they drag Leah Thompson in it as well. And that's just weird. Why would they why why would that be close? <laughs> that shouldn't be close at all. It's just unnecessary. The camera tricks don't look as good. It doesn't add anything to the plot like him helping his dad did or him seeing what his past was like there's no added layer that makes him be a better person besides the shoehorned in standing up for yourself and not you know being a chicken anymore and also it, it lends itself to um he had the brother who he's named after which that was my point i was gonna make when you um, when you were talking, when we were talking about how George and Lorraine were like, oh, Marty, that's a nice name. Mm-hmm. And then like, ended up naming Marty after this person they apparently met. Well, no, it was after a relative whose name was Martin McFly. Right, which they went back and. Sure, they went back and, and, and did that. Yeah. So, so, um, I mean, it, it wasn't too terrible for me. Yes, okay, the accents weren't the best, but I, it doesn't necessarily take it out of the movie for me. I get it. Like, like that's part of it like they they emigrated and they're building their lives and everything like that and they're set up a lot of like the future of this family and how like you know things that happen in one generation typically happen in another generation too yeah kind of thing it just never never sits right with me okay well um, you know what doesn't sit right with me jennifer's still on the fucking porch that's what doesn't sit right with me they say it in the fucking movie that's what doesn't sit right with me they have the saloon scene. You know, he's like, he's Clint Eastwood. They have the saloon scene, the intro of Tanner. Yeah, Tannen. Tannen. My autocorrect. I'm so sorry. My, of Tannen. And um, that's great. It's got a lot of humor in it. And then he just says, oh, Jennifer, we left her on the porch. That's cool, man. That's real cool. That's how much you don't value your, your female characters, huh? Well, nineteen ninety. You get Mary Steenburgen, who gets plenty of time as Clara. As I referenced before, I like Clara and Doc's romance. It's very sweet. It is. They're, they're really good together. Um, and if you're going to give the movie kind of that cliche arc of fall in love, and then they have a fight, and then they break up, and then they, you know, rescue each other, and, you know, fly off on a hoverboard to their future, like, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, and some things like you can change, like in the future, some things you can change, yeah. but you can't, you can't change fate. Right. You can't change fate. Doc was like going to avoid meeting Claire at all costs. Mm-hmm. Look what happened. You yep. can't change you got, fate. Some now. things have to happen mm-hmm. in life. And that's what I believe in. I don't know what you believe in. If you believe in divine intervention or, or anything um, like that. Um, I believe in fate. Definitely. And that, I, I like the the overarching theme that the movie in the trilogy settled on is like 
life is what you make of it. So or your future is what you make of it. So make it a good one. You know, yeah. like it's it's a really strong, powerful way to end it all. I, I think that's a great and message. And it's really beautiful. And, yeah, and I think that there, there are things that we are destined to do in our lives. Yes. Not necessarily like oh the job you're supposed to have or this, but like the impact we're supposed to make on certain people. Yeah. It's going to be made regardless. Um, you know, whether it's short time, long time, at the right time, it's supposed to happen. But um, yeah, that that's. I I just like that part of the message. They didn't clearly say like like you know don't fuck with fate, but they said don't fuck yeah. with fate. Like um, the old universal logos at the beginning were good touches. Well, I appreciated that. Mm. Uh, other things that I just kind of the Indians and the cavalry hasn't aged well. Point that out. But that's par for the course of probably hundreds of movies. Is eighteen eighty five? No Goldie Wilson callback either. <laughs> Wonder why. Uh, which was unfortunate. Uh, there is still so the 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 little much uh, impetus that I had on Doc to a lesser extent and Marty in the second one goes on to Thomas Wilson here in that I don't necessarily like Mad Dog Tannen as it's, a character. I also don't like his portrayal that much. He's not. Probably going to end up being my LVP. He's one of the two people I had written down as the LVP. Okay. Just because I, I felt it towed too many lines. Like, we've seen him tow so many times of being completely hilarious and menacing. I felt like those crossed too much in this. He was dumb in this. Yeah. Like the other ones, he was dumb, but like, not dumb dumb. I don't know how to explain He was it. dumb, but he wasn't like a vicious murderer. Like, he's a okay. full-blown criminal in this. Yeah. Well, and, and it's also the sign of the times as well. Sure, but... It's 1885. It makes it a little bit harder to buy in and watch. Like, the whole the whole party scene is a little bit too much going on. Oh, because he's raping and assaulting people? Again. He did that in every movie! He almost pulled Lorraine's dress up in the middle of the street in the first movie. Fair point. I mean, that's just in the... It, it, but, um, no, I get it, I get it. it. I think some of it is the character, like that particular character, how it's written. And I think that it's a letdown almost after seeing this incredible performance of five different distinct characters mm -hmm. and such great performances in the second movie. And then you're going into the third movie and you're seeing him portray this dumb, vicious, asshole guy. Yeah. And it it's it's similar to his other character. It's it's similar to to Biff, and Griff, but it's not. So I think that that may have may may influence it. Like you know, it's not as good as what we know he has in him. Yeah. Um. I and that's why he ultimately is probably not going to be my LVP. I don't sure. have much sure. else for LVP. Um. But we can get there later on. Um. Uh, I just love, I like that party scene to go back to. I like that party scene. I like, like that festival of ZZ Top. There's a funny... Uh, Jamming my, out. My two favorite stories from, um, like, reading, uh, like, background on Back to Features. The only reason the movie was done is they were like, hey, we need to make a third one. Hey, Michael J. Fox, we're, what, we're, what time period would you like to go back to? Oh, the Old West, done. <laughs> that's, like, literally the only reason they did the Old West was that's just what Michael J. Fox was interested in. Um... And then the other one was apparently at one point, like in that party scene, they had a problem with the camera. So ZZ Top was just like, oh, we'll just play some songs to like kill the time. So they start playing like everything on their new album. Mm -hmm. Like two hours go by and someone's like, hey, how is the camera fixed? And Mecca's like, oh yeah, it's been fixed. I just didn't want to kill the mood. <laughs> I just want to stop the party. 
which ultimately you can see the fun that people are having and that's what makes it so infectious to watch Mm -hmm. is because you just see people are enjoying themselves and they're having fun and that's what I ultimately want to see people doing. Um, and it carries through the like all these movies. Uh, I mentioned that Doc, this is the movie where Doc addresses knowing Marty's future. And that's when the ideologies seem to go back and forth. Like, he kind of warns Marty at that point about what he, because Marty never hears about the car accident in part two. Just, uh. No, he. Jennifer does. No, he oh, doesn't. Oh, yeah, Jennifer yeah, he, does. He doesn't, because he doesn't well, know who's out. Uh, yeah, no, but he, he has Jennifer, no idea. But, right. but uh, that's when Doc does know, and then Doc's kind of waffling on... But that's the thing. As it, so, And I think Doc says it at some point. I don't know if it's in this movie or prior. He says, as a scientist... I think he says it when Marty's talking about the almanac. When Marty Probably, wants the almanac. Yeah. He's like, as a scientist, like my purpose was to... like observe and garner knowledge mm-hmm. but not to change to the, misuse and change it right to misuse it and change it so you think that that's the distinct difference and i think that's what 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 doc is struggling with because he has this knowledge right he's gone into the future to see what happens yeah. and everything and he uses the he he observes he gets the knowledge but that's his friend, you know? Like, that, sure. that's, that's his, his buddy. But he, and, and he would never be that way if it wasn't for Marty saving his life uh, 30 years prior, right. or 30 years later, and two weeks ago. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which, you know. No, exactly. I mean, and it's, it's a tricky thing because how, and, and it's a fine line to walk as well because information can also change. You know, Doc telling him and Marty reacting mentally, physically, in his actions can impact the future as well and alter the, yeah. the timeline that they're on. So it, it it is tricky. I mean, I know we said that Back to the Future really simplifies time travel, and it does a really good job mm-hmm. of any layman being able to understand and follow what's happening. But when you get into the complexities of time travel and, and how one little thing, the huge impact that can have, it it really is multi-layered. And I think that that's why Doc was waffling so much and struggling so much is because he feels like he owes it to, to, to Marty, but he doesn't know how, while being a scientist, how to really share that and talk about that kind of thing. So yeah. that, that, that's just like, like my opinion, like I get it. That, I get yeah, it. it seems like he's like waffling in his like virtues, but for it's, good it's more reason. it's more of a, a struggle that's playing yeah. out, and it, it it just didn't come off that way at, at times to me, especially because at the end of the movie, motherfucker rolls up in a train time machine that runs off of steam. Ironically enough, when he wanted the time machine destroyed, so he just did all this and came back in time just to give Marty a picture. Um, not a big fan of the end of the movie. Besides, like, the ideology behind it. Flying in on a flying train time machine with your weird little boy playing with himself, having to go to the bathroom. That's probably LVP. It's that weird fucking deliverance, deliverance raccoon Vern kid. Um, uh, let's also be clear about something. So, uh, day is saved. The train scene is rightfully harrowing. I mean... 
the movie knows how to have a climax and a big. That's one way to destroy that time machine. Yeah. Well, I was Ooh. talking about like the the whole oh, yeah, getting back from the old west to current day, uh, hundred years later. But then the time comes for the the race with needles, and he you know he realizes there's a there's a couple moments in the movie where he realizes the error of his rays when, like, everyone's talking to him in, uh, you'll be a coward forever. And he's like, he's an asshole. I'm going right. out the back. Like, right. you know, stuff like that. And he ends up getting forced into it. And that whole face-off thing is fine. I prefer the the stuff with Doc ahead of time, which is very funny about him telling people the future and just being drunk. Yeah, I like yeah, that that's, stuff a lot that's more. funny. That's, that's a funny but, scene. So he does a scene with Needles. So he decides not to, to race him. He did have to recklessly back up. There could have been somebody behind him. What if that's how the accident happened? He peels out and does, like, a fucking capital P on the street. I would have hit that Rolls Royce. Yeah, you could have killed a fucking... Minivan a full of jogger nuns. behind you yeah. with this big-ass black truck. That's always another thing that minorly bothered me. Um, beyond, like, what have they been doing, doing all this time traveling in this train that's so big and awkward and inconvenient? Um, and I thought you wanted no more time travel, but... It is what it is. Uh, also, Marty's a little cock-blocking in this. Like, Marty keeps, like, interjecting with Doc about, like, their conversations. and Doc did that shit with him and Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the beginning of the fucking movie. <laughs> they about to make out. Doc comes in on the time machine. Marty gotta go right now. Doc, I was about to get some, Doc. Get what do you mean sleep- we gotta go right now? Some sleeping bags in the back. I was saying the whole time. Why does it have to be right now, Doc? Give me twenty minutes, <laughs> please. Come on. Ten minutes. Man. Ten minutes. Yeah. I've been for waiting sure. for this for fifty years. Uh, thirty years. Come on. Like I, I have a uh, a sketch I've always wanted to do about Back to the Future, where it it picks up right from that scene you were just referencing. It's like, uh, Marty, what's wrong? Do we become assholes or something? He goes, No, Marty, your kids. Someone's gonna be done about your kids. I just want Jennifer to be like, Whoa, 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 whoa. This is my high school boyfriend. I have to have kids? This? No, I'm out. Like, I ain't, I, I ain't going back in time for shit. I say no right now. No kids. Done. Solved. <laughs> Not to go back in time for anything. She like blows her brains out or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh my or she God. leaves and walks away and she changes the course of history and it's fine. Uh, yeah, that, could, that could also happen. It could also be a thing. But it, it's just good to see Doc and Marty, like, figuring shit out again and having a good time and having an adventure yeah, I like it doesn't that. get interrupted that much, and it's it, yeah. This movie is a lot better than I've ever given it credit for. It, it's good. I it's mean, still I mean, my it's least the, favorite of the three. Yes, it's it's the weakest of the three overall. I think um, in terms of story and character, but also because like it's hard to end something like this. It's hard to end something like sure. this. So, um, and going back to, to the scene that you were talking about that, that you were laughing at when Doc is drunk and telling everybody stuff mm-hmm. about the future. My favorite thing and the thing I relate to the most, like, this got a, got a couple points from me for, for this line. How Doc's talking about all of the, the things that are happening in the future and they're, oh, we have automobiles and things like, it's like so people don't walk or run anymore. We run for fun. And that old ass man says, run for fun? What the run hell for... kind of fun is that? Pat yes, but... exactly. Buttram? Pat Buttram. Exactly. What the fuck kind of fun is that? MVP number three all the time on this podcast. And he's still Who the dividends. fuck runs for fun? Pat, can I do a Pat Buttram? That's not Pat Buttram. What is it? Can I do a... Mr. Hanky? Can I do a Pat... <laughs> 
It's like a Mr. Hanky trying to eat Pat Buttram. Can I do a Pat Buttram? That's Terry Funk. Hold on. <laughs> can I do a Pat Buttram? Oh, this is Mr. Hanky. Hi, how everybody? Mr. Hanky here, new character on the show. I'm not going to talk to Steamy Pile of shit. Where's I already did it enough. Mr. Hanky. Don't forget to bring a child. That's Tally. Okay. Huh? My son Cornelius. Mr. Hanky's little son named Cornelius got a nugget of corn in his head. He's dumb. Uh, That's funny. Tope just just uh, texted about running. About running. Long um, story. So for 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 those of you who don't who don't know, I've been running for nearly two months month and now. A half, yeah. Month and a half now. I've been against running, my will. Running for four months. Against my will. If you don't know anything about me, against I'm not your will. A, There's uh, so many crumbs in this county. Yeah, Jillian sits there. Um, I'm not athletic. Nope. All right, I try. I think I've told this story before on the podcast that I busted my knee playing night soccer with Augie. Um, so athletics, I try, is is my moniker when it comes to athletics. And, uh, you know, we were off for a couple of days around July 4th. We went running together because Maltz turned into a fitness beast. And uh, enjoy it. It's fine. It's, it's nice. It's great. It's not fun. She's all the 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 uh, the words for it. All the words. It's whatever. But yeah. So so I related with Pat Butcherm in this. Is who the fuck runs for fun? Um, I get it. Well, good. That was my little. That was my soapbox that I will now get down. MVP and LVP. MVP for this one for me is very easy. It's Christopher Lloyd. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love that each one of them has like a defining mo- like a defining movie, and for this one, it's him. Like he's just on another level right away. Like you said, his reaction to like Marty being back in time and him freaking out and closing the door. He's on the right level the whole time. He's so sweet. He's so endearing, but he's still Doc Brown. He can still be bombastic and crazy. He crushes this movie. Yeah, B- big ups to Leia Thompson though because she she pulled her weight in all three of these movies. If I she think. were to get it in any movie, I think the closest she would be would actually be number one. I think she's the second best part of the first one. Uh, third because Chris Christopher Lloyd's the second best in all of them except the, the third one. He's the best part, but she's she's her, she's the best in the first one. She 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 just does such a great job and and in the Back in Time documentary she talks about you know what drew her to the role and, and how she's known for this role, but people still view her as, like, this, this like, like pure, angelic person when, like, she was playing, like, this one who really wasn't like mm-hmm. that, and I think it just... She just does such a good job at bringing this character to life and, and towing that line where... She really is, like, inappropriate in this house lot, and she's parked before and all this, but people forget that because she does such a good job of portraying this, like, innocent, you know, doe-eyed girl kind of thing. I think it's great. So, special shout-out to her. LVP. I mentioned Thomas Wilson earlier. I don't think it's ultimately him. I don't really have many people else for this one, though. Um, I like the bartender. I like the, the saloon old-timer guys like we talked about. They yeah. all kind of serve their purpose. Um, Strickland was always fine. You didn't have Goldie in this one. Um, the the uh, 
Dave and Linda are barely in it. The only one other person I had was The Undertaker. <laughs> He's just a weird looking he guy. He was creepy. He was really creepy looking. He reminded me of like a guy. Uh, he looked. He was like a Benedict Cumberbatch impersonator. Um, if it wasn't him, then fuck it. That little Vern kid. <laughs> just from standing there, not being able to hold his goddamn urine in his pants and yeah. making a weird face. Uh, so I'm fine with either one of them too. Or, or I don't think it is Thomas Wilson, but... No, I don't think it's Thomas Wilson. I think he does too much... Too many things that are, are, are good and appreciative. Fair. Than, than, than other. So what's, what's the guy's name? Uh, Mortician or Vern? Which one are we going with? Man, Vern didn't do anything but stand there and look creepy, so I don't think we can give it to him. At least the Mortician guy had, you know, some lines like, Oh, hmm. It's for your tombstone. <laughs> yeah, he was dialing up a little bit. All yeah, right. Like, Marvin Mac. Your cousin, Marvin McIntyre. <laughs> you know that WWE championship you were looking for? Well, listen to this. Ow, ow, my back. Ow, Drew McIntyre joke. Why would you do that? I have though, no idea. Man, Drew McIntyre cries. Mayor. That's what I hadn't said that yet. Marvin McIntyre. So your MVP. MVPs were Michael J. Fox, Thomas Wilson, and Christopher Lloyd. Your LVPs were Francis Lee McCain, Elizabeth Shue, and Marvin McIntyre. Let's score back to... Oh, so, real quick. Uh, if you... I was just going to ask you that! If you could go back in time... I was just going to ask you To any you time that. period, where would you go? Past? Yeah, so, so I was going to have a two-parter. So, where would you go back in time to? And uh, how far in the future would you want to go I to? would go... To like the twenties, like okay. Prohibition era. Mm-hmm. Always wanted to go there. It sh- when we talk about Chicago, I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll talk about that. But um, I just like that time period. I like um, that the history there, and okay. I feel like I would fit in very well okay. in that time period. Um, either that. Pro, like Prohibition era or the sixties, because let's face it, I'm a hippie at heart for sure. real. Um, I go to the like the birth of America. It's always just the seventeen seventeen seventies and stuff. If you say so, you could be in the room where it happens. I'm gonna punch you in. the No, damn I didn't face. even cross my mind. But now that you mention it, I'll be in some rooms where it happens. I'm gonna punch you in uh, the damn face. And then and then the, my. Other choice would be just to go back to the 1990s because that was fun. Being a kid, I'd go to the toy stores and grab all the toys that are worth value now and just go like watch fucking like Jurassic Park in theaters and Pulp Fiction in theaters and enjoy being carefree and shit mm-hmm. again. Like the 90s was mm-hmm. such a simpler time. Well, I mean, really, if we're talking about like, and we wouldn't like change history from that point. Oh, right? I changed the fuck out of history in the 90s. You kidding me? Ooh, absolutely. I wouldn't. I, I would not change everything. I wouldn't change anything because then we, we wouldn't, wouldn't have Jillian. Oh, but it's fate. You know, some things are meant to be. <laughs> uh, how far in the future would you go? You can get the fuck out of... <laughs> A year? <laughs> okay, so, so because we're responsible parents and because of this whole COVID-19 mm-hmm. thing, we, um, we, we're... Uh, we are putting together like um like our wills and like our healthcare directives and stuff like yeah. that. And today I was we making sure that Chris knows like we that we we were making sure that that each other knows like what our wishes are, which we obviously do. But my, I said something to you today that you were like, really? Like 
my wish, obviously, I don't want to be buried. I want to be cremated. However, however, oh. depending on how good. Recorded medium. Okay. How good cryogenic technology is. Like, I'd want to be, like, like frozen and brought back in the future. Like, why not? They did to Einstein in the movies. They put him in a cryo chamber. What are you typing there on your notes? No, I forgot to put a score for back in time that I had in my head, so I, oh. it, so I don't remember. And I'm just trying to ignore your stupidity. It's not <laughs> stupid. A lot of people do that. And I that. specifically said, I'm like, you know what? Put that in there. Just so in like 70 years, when Jillian is like going through and is like, Mom wanted to be cryogenically frozen? What yeah. the fuck's the matter with her? Then you can bring me back, and then I can live in the future. My answer, by the way, I want to go about seventy-five years in the future because, ideally, not ideally, but unfortunately, we will probably both be passed by then in seventy-five years. But if not, shut the fuck up! You're definitely going to be dead by then. I'm not. If not by then, then I know. Okay, well, they have this technology. This, that, the other thing. It's like it's far enough. Jillian will be an old woman. You know, it'll be good time. If I go fifty years and it's just me being old, it's going to be sad. Um. Okay. What? That's being generous. Me being old and sad in 50 years is being generous? Marvin McFly? No, I said that wrong. <laughs> oh, dribbling. <laughs> the botch was worth it. <laughs> Marvin McFly. Uh, score for Back to the Future 3. Man. Oh, I would go, I would go to like Star Trek era. Oh, you're going like hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I would love to live in space. That's not going to happen, probably. You don't know that. Not in our lifetime. That's why I'm going to go in the future where it is happening. Duh. What's your um, score for Back to the Future Part 3? I didn't like it as much as I like the other ones. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a trend. But I still think it's it's really... I, I like it. I love it. It's great. Um, you know, it... I like the the cheesy romance. It just didn't feel like it was in the same universe at times. Um, yeah, it, it felt like a it felt like a different director and a different team was kind of doing it. Yeah, and they're yeah, doing yeah. a good job. A good at job, it. but not as good. Yeah, it just wasn't the same. I'm gonna give it a seven. Oh wow, I'm actually going higher. I'm giving it an eight. Oh okay. Uh, I originally thought my score was gonna be around like where yours was, mm. but like I said, as I was watching it, I saw I saw the pieces. There's just fundamental things like the Seamus and Maggie stuff. Well, now that you mention some you're of the cowboy stuff it. that I just don't get into. I was into, like, okay, okay. You know, yeah, and, it makes and some sense. of the, like there's not enough like aha like references. Like you have his shoes, you have the Eastwood name, you have the gun, but there's not a lot that like yeah. the other two that are really tying everything together and making it like aha moment. Sure. Uh, all right, so we're at the two hour mark. <laughs> So let's quickly, we've, we've referenced the documentary We've talked about it a lot. Times. I do have a few things I wanted to, to point out about it. I was disappointed by the documentary in that I thought, and was there not a Movies That Made Us episode about Back to the Future that went into, I know there was like five episodes or so. I think But I don't remember was. if there was one. Uh, but I just, I, I've read a Back to the Future uh, oral history. I've read... I've done a lot. I have the Back to the Future, like, coffee table book, a lot. So I know a lot about Back to the Future, but I could always watch and listen to more. Um, And this just was a letdown because it felt a little all over the place. Like, all of a sudden you're going into, like, the casting of the movie, and then you're showing me Rick and Morty clips for a minute and a half. 
uh, and then the bulk of it being the fandom of it, while interesting, is not ultimately what I really care to watch and see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the acoustic version of the song, Doug, the acoustic version of the theme that began and ended the movie. Um, it was nice to hear a long stream of people saying things I feel and know about the movie to start. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yep, I'm validated. But, but from right then, I could tell this is going to be totally fine, but wholly unnecessary. Yeah. Just, it, was th- it good... didn't give me anything new and different beyond a couple of odd factoids, like the Coke thing. The Coke thing was very interesting to me in that they... Coke basically... Sponsored. Spo- well, didn't sponsor, well, but like they were the ones that like kind of made the movie go somewhere else. And that's why there's so much Pepsi shit in it. <laughs> yeah. So, Back to the Future is the only thing that made Pepsi cool. Yeah, Pepsi Period. sucks. And it says Pepsi sucks. I hate Pepsi. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it, it, I just think that it, what I talked about that I found interesting is just, like, them pointing out these things that we don't necessarily think of, even though we're, like, analyzing the movie. When we talk about how it's a perfect movie, and there's, like, this flawed character, like, inherently flawed character, because there's no flaws in this character, and just, like, all that kind of stuff, I dig that kind of stuff. I love, like, that character development, that world development yeah. kind of stuff. Um... Yeah, but the fandom stuff I could have done without. I didn't even see this guy proposing. I didn't even see show. the the lame ass proposal at this Back to the Future convention. It's I fine. didn't need to go into four different dudes yeah. spending their life savings, restoring DeLoreans and working on. I, there's but, way too much on the, the car. The, I get it. The car is great. It's 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 its, it's own the, character in the movie. Sure. I agree with that. It's a crux of it. It's a shitty fucking car. If you want to spend a hundred thousand dollars on it to prove that you have a Back to the Future card, God bless you. You got the money. I don't need to see twenty minutes about it. The parts of this documentary that I did like, I really loved Michael J. Fox. He's my MVP of the movie. Mine too. And I love that the stories he told. I'm glad he got a second MVP um, off of this. Um, the, I just loved how it, it ended up going into the wonderful impact that he's had. Yes. And the Parkinson's Foundation has had. Um, and drawing light to that. And a lot of people who are involved because of this movie, which... Mm-hmm. which I like that's, that. Stuff. That's wonderful. I love yeah, that. The kind guy of who thing. had cancer that uh, survived and they redid a car. Like they had a story. They had right. An they art, redid the car. And, then they made a, and now they, they're doing they it. They got yeah. a purpose from it. Exactly. And they, they went and made changes. And I was scared because like the movie starts and you don't get anybody besides like Strickland's got a couple things. I want to see Strickland and Glenn Gary Grin Ross. I would fucking kill, by the way. Uh, you get a little Leah Thompson, and then Christopher Lloyd starts, and Christopher Lloyd's just not into this really at all. Well, he's also he's very, very, he's very old, old and subdued now, and it's like, it's a little jarring. I actually had him as an LVP for a brief moment, but I have a different LVP. Um, and I was like, man, are they really not going to get Michael J. Fox for this? And it's like, I get it. If he, It's totally fine. I'm sure all of these people are so tired of talking about Back to the Future. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason why Thomas Wilson's not in it. Because I think he does, like, stand-up and stuff now. And he said, like, I, I'm good. I, I ain't got to do this shit anymore, you know? Like, right. I get it. Um, but for Michael J. Fox, he's such, like, a like an awesome, positive person. Despite everything. everything. that he's been through. And, he, and he's re- still really funny. He gets through all of his stuff. The Princess Die story is hilarious the, that he tells. That is so It's the funny. highlight of the movie. And that's it's, the stuff I wanted. I wanted, right. like... Stories about their that, experiences. Right, I wanted exactly. stories about like stuff we don't know. Exactly. That's what I I always look for. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of documentaries to begin with, yeah. but that was I love that. I like the. Um, but the the stuff you were talking about, the Parkinson stuff, it, it highlights yeah. what I mentioned earlier. Something great about Back to the Future. It's all positive. There's no shitty things to highlight. They go into the Stoltz stuff. You got to go into the Stoltz stuff. The Stoltz stuff is always riveting. 
they don't interview him either because he's probably like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to talk about Back to the Future anymore. Um, and again, I'm confused with how many special editions need to be made before they can finally release that stuff. But, uh, but it just, there's nothing dawned on or negative. It's people that have loved this movie at the very least. I, I might necessarily want to hear about this guy's Back to the Future themed miniature golf course or this guy's... Well, now it, it raises money for charity, But though. again, that's the thing. Like, it's brought people together in a very positive way. Right, for um, good reason. Beyond the flux capacitors, the, uh, <laughs> the Back to the Future themed band that tried to make themselves to be... So much more important than they are. Yeah. Uh, the other night, we had a, a very lovely evening uh, in imbibing in some, some spirits. And we got fucked up. We got fucked up the other night. Um, and we were watching, as we've been prone to do recently, an episode of Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> and one of the uh, things featured on there was bonbons. And I was like, yo, what the <gasps> fuck happened to bonbons? So I just Googled, what happened to bonbons? And the first response was, a Reddit post that was, yo, what the fuck happened to bonbons? And it was the funniest thing for me. Why the time fuck they discontinued bonbons? Why the bon- fuck they discontinued bonbons? I mentioned it was Ice Cube doing it or something. And I just look at my notes and my note is, who the fuck are the flux capacitors? <laughs> like, there's some big deal. They're not. There's a bunch of douchebags yeah, that to them, do Huey Lewis songs. But to them, I know it's a big deal. Like, these things that happen, like, you also have to remember, like, these are... Like, this is, like, a geekdom. Like, you said it's, like, the fandom of it. It's a geekdom. It's, like... Okay, so the other day... Or you remember the time we went to the Village Inn and there were those two wrestlers who were sitting in that booth by the bathroom and you yes. kind of geeked out a little bit, but well, no one, one else Royce, did. One so that's to be expected. But you kind of geeked out a little bit, but nobody... I think, don't you dare put on the record that I geeked out over Sean Spears, Ty Dillinger. Absolutely not. You totally did. Mm-mm. I was like, hey, what's going on, man? Hey. The, the thing from Kingpin? Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? No, no, not you. Hey. You wish you had the balls to do that. I don't. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, like, whenever you see that, like, these people, like, out in the wild, like, you geek a little bit, right? Sure. Like, like that's, like, they're geeking to the ultimate level, right? Like, they're doing right. something based on what they love, and it's being recognized by the people who they're basing it on. And, like, that is... is cool and satisfying it's like a lot of these people who do like um cosplays and stuff like that and when they go to cons and like if there's like the actors there and stuff like when when steve met the red power ranger like sure. you know like there's just like it's all related it's to your nostalgia and your right, childhood it, like it's a different impact and so those flux capacitors are probably super fulfilled in their lives yeah. and they get to have I have a business it. card that says that they're part of the flux capacitors, and that's cool for them. Just the fandom. But I'm going to actually live a life of value. <laughs> I spent so much time validating it to tear it down. Well, yeah, I'm going to live a life of value that's going to attribute something to society and not just singing yeah, just co- shitty covers of great the whole, songs. The whole fandom side of it is just, it's yeah. a little much. It's not Well, yeah, but I get it because I'm totally a geek. Like, I'm into that kind I of am too, when I'm but... in Buffy and Firefly. Sure. Yeah, but I'm into geekier stuff and than we've been wrestling. And we've been talking about this for two hours. I did 500 episodes of a wrestling podcast. I get it. But that doesn't mean that I want to hear or watch it. <laughs> I just shit over my entire podcast catalog. Fair. My point behind it Fair. is... Fair. Ask me how many episodes you, of Podswog I've listened to. True. You have to... 
you have to present it in a, a different way or an entertaining aspect of it. Just showing people living it and doing it and not necessarily the most interesting people because of what they're into. Yeah. It doesn't mean I want to... I'd rather watch a movie about actors sharing their memories of what they've been through. The hoverboard stuff later on got cool. The technology part of it. That Same thing cool. with the flying car. Shout out to the Iraqcast from like 15 years ago where we talked about that literal flying car and us thinking about the future was actually coming and it never fucking came. We just talked about how what stupid rapper would buy that car and then we settled on Chingy or Chimillionaire <laughs> would be the, but the rapper I, that would I buy just, that Terrafuga. Can't wait for the car to not look like a plane. That ain't gonna happen. I mean, was it gonna have wings? The proposal part is the worst part. Cause you see it coming a mile away, and you just know, like, what would be so? Like, I would never propose to you at like a wrestling show. Like, I just knew, like, you'd fucking kill me. Like, it had to be something like sweet and intimate. I mean, that, I was about at the point. I was about to re- propose to you at a wrestling show. <laughs> you let me propose to you think. while I was taking a shit, probably, because actually it's been great because I was already, you know, closer to get down on one knee. Um, but that's just so... Have we talked about how you proposed to me on the no, show? No, never. Are we going to get into nope. that right now? That's you just brought it so... Magoo. Like, Is it? I mean, it's something that they stop both Stop it. Nope, 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 nope. What? I thought you were going to get into... No, it's something that they both love. Cool. Good for them. It's something that they had in common, brought them mm-hmm. together, and so mm. that was important to them. Yeah, sure. It's just like you writing me a song. Ah! <laughs> All of Drainage! Um, it's been two and a half, almost two and a half hours, and there's been no edits. Knock it off. Are you embarrassed? There's some, no, I'm not embarrassed. There's some things that should be left private. That's a special moment in our lives that people don't need to know about. And people haven't... People don't ah! You haven't told people? No! That? You haven't told anyone? Ah! No, why does anybody need to know? We're married now. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, Christopher Lloyd, as I mentioned, seems to be very tired about talking back to the future. Uh, most of these people probably are. Uh, the person who's the people who I don't care about talking in this movie are the other famous people who just they just slap in this movie and then we have to deal with their bullshit shows and, and movies and stories and whatnot. Uh, it's funny you put such a uh, focus on him earlier. My LVP of the movie is Dan Harmon. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like his opinion, though, about two and three were shitty. Yep. I, I didn't like that. I already had him written down because for two reasons. Number one, for all intents and purposes, he's known to be probably a shitty person, uh, despite him being behind Community and Rick and Morty, two things that I don't watch or follow. And for, for the most part, people that have told me I would like them, uh, most of their opinions I don't trust. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, <coughs> but he also, I know he's had some bad stuff about some misconduct in the past, and he hasn't been the nicest guy to some of the people he's worked with. I just don't like his demeanor and presence of just, like, sitting there with his drink and just, like, even even the valid point that he made about the movie seemed like he was on a pedestal talking down about this movie. Whereas, I can see that. Whereas the guy from the Goldberg seems like it would be actually like really genuine about it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see your fucking shitty show, um, which I know people like it, but whatever. Um, but he, you know, he seemed to be, you know, in a better mind frame about it than Dan Harmon, just like, yeah, Back to the Future, not as good as what I've done. That that's just how it came across to me, okay. and I, I didn't like his presence. So he was my LVP. Okay. Did you have anybody else? No. 
If it was, I, I'm not. Uh, I didn't like the mini golf guy. I liked the mini golf guy. He was, he was nice. I didn't like the guy that proposed to his wife at the fucking Back to the Future thing. Because he was just looked like. Some, it was a DeLorean card show. Yeah, some Corey Graves looking motherfucker. Um, all right, so Dan Harmon, the LVP of Back in Time. The documentaries are always weird when it comes to MVP and LVP. Mm-hmm. But Michael, I'm glad we agreed on Michael J. Fox because it did. He wasn't in it that much, but when he was, it it, it, it was, just was so impactful. So he will join the multi-time MVP list. He wasn't an MVP before. Uh, I shockingly did not, well, not shockingly, everyone knows my love of Coach Finstock and Teen Wolf, uh, which is always something important to remember that Michael J. Fox made Teen Wolf before Back to the Future and was upset in other interviews and other documentaries that I've seen, that down the street, Eric Stoltz was making this Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg movie, and Michael J. Fox is a werewolf <laughs> playing basketball. And it all worked out fine, because we got him in both. We got him in all of it. And it's, it's, I want to point out that I gave Teen Wolf and Back to the Future equal scores. That is the correct decision. Uh, what else on Back in Time, the documentary? Um, I think that's it. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, like we, we referenced a lot of it as we went yeah, along. Yeah, yeah, we talked a lot about it. Um, I did like seeing Goldie there. Wilson get some more time and talk. He seems like a cool dude. He just seems like such a cool he dude. He looks just, he looks exactly the same, except just with dreads. Yeah. Uh, same thing with James Tolkien. Like, how old is Strickland? Strokeland's Strokeland. I'd be Strokeland! Um, like 150 years old, this fucking guy. Uh, same with Lee Thompson. Lee Thompson for her age looks also great. Um, Michael J. Fox Le- looks Leah good. Leah Thompson, you know how old Leah Thompson is? Like 60. She's born in 61. Yeah, so she'll be 60 next year. Yeah. yeah. Michael J. Fox is 59. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lloyd died six years ago, and he's just still just alive and Michael kicking. Michael J. Fox is the same age. He'll be 60 next year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're the same age. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, oh my 80 God. 80-something. He's be. born in 38. Yeah, he's 82. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and we'll be talking about him more uh, now that we have to finish our stack series on Patreon. Uh, <laughs> don't think we forgot. That's coming James up. James Tolkien's older. He was born in 31. I believe that, yeah. He's old. He'll be 90. He'll be 90 yeah. next year. Ain't slacking on living. What's your score for back in time? It was fine. It was fine. Like you said, gave me some stuff. I appreciated some things that they said, like the Michael J. Fox stuff. Didn't really need a lot of the, the geekdom stuff that was going on. It's more than half the movie. It is more than half the movie. I'm going to give it a five. It was fine. I'm giving it a six. It was fine for me, you know, but but I, I, I yeah. kind of like... Not the best documentary we've seen, not the worst. Yeah, just because it, I had higher hopes because I want to go back and watch the making of from the actual Back to the Future set now because... I we think watched the whole more... ride. We didn't talk about oh, that Oh, I was going to get to it. I'm glad you remembered. I, uh, so the main reason I always wanted to get these, I had the DVD version of this several years that came out before, and I had to get it. I don't think I had... They weren't really like prevalent on DVD back then. Uh, and then they released the 20th anniversary... No. Would have been the 25? No, this is the 25. The ride closed around like 2007, right when we got together. So it's your fault. Um, we never got a chance to do it together. Uh, but the ride was my favorite ride, despite the fact that it would literally concuss you. That ride would beat the shit out of you. You even made yeah. the, the comment as the ride starts, 
like the very first like window you smash was and your head just hit the back wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always got back the, the back, back left seat. corner. Back corner. Smash my head a couple oh my times. God, it was the worst, but it was the best. It was the best. I was. I never so, had my eyes oh. open during the dinosaur part, and it, it, it kills me to this Pussy. day. Uh, it had what all is it with you and rides and be? I have never. I have. I was seen a chicken you. shit little skinny I, twerp. I know, but. So we. I known, was George McFly. We've known. I knew you when you were a skinny little twerp, though. Like when I yeah, first met you. Yeah, but I was twenty years you. old then. When I was like twelve, I sucked. I know, man, but you sucked when you were twenty as well. I, I hate to tell you, you didn't I was, change I was that George, much. Hey, you get your damn hands off her. That was me every day, writing my science fiction stories. Which uh, you still do. <laughs> anyway, um. They had all the cue videos. What is they it with you about? I've only I was seen just a, you, I was a pussy. I've seen you scared once in the thirteen years that mm-hmm. I've known you. Once. Yeah. And but you tell all these stories about you were scared of this, scared of that, yeah. scared of that. What happened? How come you just suddenly? I had to be a man. I grew up. Grew some hair on my balls, and then I was like, "This is fucking fake." Am I scared of a a dinosaur on a screen and a dinosaur? But that big-ass alien in that haunted house you were terrified of. Yeah, because that was a person in there. You don't know what that person's motives were. That person can have been like, man, I've had a bad day. I'm going to shiv this motherfucker <laughs> with my alien claws. And I'm face-to-face with him. You don't know. You get to crawl under the Yeah, thing. I could get stuck in there. And then I'm face-to-face <laughs> island with this alien puppet. No, thank you. <laughs> That's why. So to summarize, summarize, uh, felt like James Lipton grabbing these cards and saying big <laughs> wrong words. Uh, Back to the Future 1, a 10. Back to the Future 2, a 9.25. Back to the Future 3, a 7.5. Back in Time, the documentary, a 5.5. Two MVPs from Michael J. Fox. Oh, I felt good to just go crazy on the Back mm-hmm. to the Future franchise with our definitely longest episode ever. Thank you for sticking around with us. Uh, we could have easily split this up, but like we said, we have a big schedule planned Trying to stay on, on track next week. Back from a random pick, The King of Comedy. Then after that, my nomination, Watchmen, which we referenced earlier on. And then after that, our wrap it up series with Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. And that's going to be the rotation for a little while until we get to December, uh, get to uh, October with the Leprechaun film franchise for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then when we get into November, December, the schedule's going to get a little crazy again because we got Jillian's birthday, we got Christmas, we got Hanukkah, we got your birthday. So we got. We have a lot of a lot of stuff going on still. But the next three weeks, you know what's happening. Straight, simple, to the point. Um, and you never know. We might, we might have another game. We might have something that causes us to have another competition. I mean, you've lost all of them so far. You lost the trivia competition. You lost the networks competition. So we have something else for you to lose. So you lost the, the reading challenge last time. We got to come up with something else. for you try to win. I don't know. It's okay. I win at life. You mm. can win these little things. I win at life. I'm a valued member of society, and I'm not in the flux capacitors, so I count my blessings every day. I meant to look them up and see if they're still around. While I'm doing the plugs, can you look it up for me, please? Sure. Thank you for listening to this incredibly long but needed episode of Married with Movies. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, two hours ago, patreon.com slash audio for bonus content. Go back and listen to all the networks to see how I achieved victory. You can also go back and listen to our other bonus episodes like our past award shows. Back to the Future is going to be extensively nominated, I'm guessing. Like, you could do a best scene just from this franchise. 
Like, literally, from the first movie. Oh, yeah. It's going to be hard to discern and, and come up with that, especially with everything else we've watched this Man, year. Man, they big. They perform on Bonnaroo. What stage on Bonnaroo? I don't know, The man. parking lot? I don't know, man. Do they, they have a Twitter? Give me a second. I'm going to their actual website. Flux. No, Capacitor. don't give them. They're not paying us. Bam. I'd rather you tell what I did for our wedding than you give them credit. Uh, MarriedWithMovies at gmail.com. At MarriedWithMovies on Twitter. Facebook.com slash MarriedWithMovies. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. They've had four, four, Twitter? four albums. Oh, I thought you said they had four Twitter followers. I was like, yes, vindication. Four albums? They've had four albums. The most recent one came out in 2018. Ugh. Uh, speaking of music, we gave props, of course, to the soundtrack, Huey Lewis and the Alan Silvestri. Uh, I don't know, if, did the musical ever come to fruition? No. I think, I thought it did debut on the West End somewhere. Um... The last little thing we did mention from the, the documentary is how they are adamantly against Back to the Future 4. Oh, yeah. It's been written into Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis' like, wills to not do it, <laughs> which is great. There were two odd moments, uh, or three, I guess. So the comic books and the, the Telltale game were a very big deal. The Telltale game, I actually started playing back when I had a like when I first got an iPad and I just like lost track of it, never finished. The comics, like I said, were a great supplement, I think would be a good source material for some things. Uh, there was a, a long standing rumor earlier on in the six hundred and one followers for the flux capacitors. Suck it. Losers. Um, there was a, a rumor earlier on last decade that they were looking at remaking Back to the Future with Justin Bieber as Marty McFly. And that would probably make me drink Drano through my asshole. Um, and it ended up being not true, or didn't happen. There was also a very fun rumor. The only way I would accept this ever being remade, I'd, I'd much prefer a sequel than a, than a remake. Um, and I've had the debate with people before, which would you rather have remade Back to the Future E.T.? My answer was always Back to the Future, I'm one of the only ones that does because I think there's an interesting perspective to take on going back to 1985 in the current day. E.T. would get ruined with social media and, and government and politics and shit. But again, getting off on a tangent, there was a deep fake that came out of Tom Holland as Marty McFly and oh Robert Downey Jr. as Doc Brown. And it looked great. It was very, very cool. I was about to argue for another hour with you about how you cannot remake this movie Back to the Future because yes. just like we talked about Marty McFly is Michael J. Fox and Michael J. Fox is Marty McFly like like he is this character this character is is this movie and I'm like there's no one else who could do it Tom Holland could do it yeah Tom Holland could do it I don't want them to I remake don't want to it they they they've had not not so great luck remaking or, or, or no. reimagining movies, but if if they were to touch this movie, Tom Holland I think would be a good choice. I I love somebody him. He created is amazing. Somebody created a fake like Entertainment Weekly uh, yeah. Twitter. I think it was like enter, like Weekly was spelled like W E A K or whatever, and they actually got like a lot of retweets and follows on it. They said that one of the, like, their fake uh, headlines was Back to the Future reboot announced with Tom Holland as Marty McFly and Taika Waititi writing and directing it. And people were like, yeah, okay, cool. And then finally somebody noticed and they're like, oh, damn, well, that's fine, but 
you know, if he did. And I was like, yeah, that, that's about as close. But even still, leave it alone. Do the fringe stuff. Make it like Star Wars and Star Trek where you have, like, books and novels and fans can enjoy it. I went to that Back to the Future website and looked at, like, the memorabilia book. It's not in print anymore. Like, some of the other things that people have made. Yeah. It's like, that should totally exist as, as that stuff. But anything else, we're good. We don't need it. Right. We have one of the greatest film trilogies of all time. What else? I'm back Man, to the I think I think we've talked about it have all. Have we? I still feel like we miss stuff. I'm sure we have. I'm sure we have. Well. But. It wasn't know. our density to cover it. Line from the first movie. No, I got it. From Mullet. This is Mullet. Signing out for this week's episode of Married to Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies. Marvin McIntyre? <laughs> you know that new podcast you were looking for? Well, listen to this. They're not ready for it, though. Their kids are going to love it. Our daughter's going to hate this show. <laughs> Jillian so... is never going to listen to an episode of this. I've been saving every episode of my entire life, and she's just not going to care. And no, she's not going to care. My she... legacy. And she's not ever going to want to... She's going to hate movies. She loves movies right now. She's going to hate watching movies she, with No, us. she she, oh, she does not like movies right now. She's just obsessed with Dora the fucking Explorer. Oh, yeah, Dora the Explorer. But no, like, like she's never going to be on... She'll watch a movie with us, but she will refuse to record with us. I bet. All right, I don't want to record. Better get used to those bars, kid. <laughs> if Jillian goes to jail, I apologize in advance. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at ArcadeAudio.net.